This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 8, entitled Trace Decay. Uh, do you know what Trace Decay is? Yeah. Do you want me to quote the textbook answer? Please do, yeah. Trace Decay is the theory that memory leaves some sort of trace, a physical or chemical change within the brain that begins to decay over time. It's theorized that Trace Decay begins after only 15 to 30 seconds. Short-term oh, memory man. can be retained beyond this point by rehearsing or effectively memorizing the information or event. The rate of decay is theoretically affected by the time delay between presentation of the information and the recollection of said information. The longer the time, the more likely trace decay has occurred and forgetting happens. Hmm. Seems applicable to this episode. <laughs> Kinda, sort of, yeah. Like just uh, the nature of memory and, and how vivid or not vivid it is. and Right, and the difference between the humans and the, the host in that scenario or in that regard indeed uh there's a lot of a lot of stuff you know obviously happening with with memory um both from an emotional and like a i guess sentient standpoint it's so, what's so weird is that like this is the opposite Sentience of trace emotion like so. like we're, we're seeing the opposite of trace decay we're seeing that memory completely be wiped but things bleed through like you know uh the, the, the patterns through thin paint you know uh, it's right. just the stuff that cannot be resolved. Like, for example, when Bernard flashes back to him apparently murdering Elsie, uh, that's quite apparent that Ford's already wiped that from him. Yeah. So he remembers it just before he's wiped again. And, you know, that's – is that the reverie code biting him in the ass? Did he intend this to happen? Like, Ford is honestly all over the place because he – espouses mutually contradictive things about himself, his background, and the way he looks at the world, it seems to me. Okay. I mean, I do think his intentions become, I mean, depending on what you think about what he says, his intentions are starting to be revealed uh, in a more serious manner. Like when he starts carving up a robot's face and saying these things only feel what we want them to feel and blah, blah, blah. Then he tells Bernard, there is essentially no difference between your consciousness and my own. Well, mm-hmm. both of those can't literally be true. Well, I, so... Unless, I guess, the other they thing can is be. He's, he's a psychopath because he has no problems cutting up other people or, or discarding sure. actual human life, quote-unquote. Right. Um, so maybe they are... He doesn't see the value in any of it. It's not like... It's not like he's saying, oh, the obviously he's not saying the bots are less than humans. They're saying they are essentially humans, yeah. and that doesn't matter to me either. Right. Like, I'm going to maintain my control. The battle here, like, between Arnold and Ford is not necessarily, like, sentience or, or making these bots more lifelike. He wants that to happen. What he wants to maintain and what Arnold couldn't tolerate is the control over these things. But there's something – there is also a larger goal that he is 
aspiring to, which I think is hinted yeah. at, you know, it's something that we've been speculating on since the first episode, but he, he quotes from, uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein mm-hmm. uh, and the work of Dr. Frankenstein, you know, in in raising the dead and achieving dominion over death itself, which is something that, uh, you know, it seems like a mission statement now when we look back to Ford and Bernard's conversation in the first episode where he says, you know, we've conquered everything except perhaps death itself. Right. It's hard for me to see why a guy as nihilist as him is so passionately following this goal of achieving immortality. Like, I almost think a guy, the logical, he'd be more like Matthew McConaughey from season one of True Detective than he would be someone that wants to cure death. Maybe. he's. I mean, he's also a bit of a... uh, um, Narcissist? Well, not even a bit on those fronts. Uh But but he's had, like, a taste of godhood, right? In that he's created this world, and now he wants to fully attain it, which is to conquer death to to be immortal essentially yeah. uh which which goes back you know to the other thing he said about death through metaphor which is this dog metaphor chasing this cat and once it's got the thing it wanted uh it's bored and it may just be a consequence of him being bored at this point like i'm telling this story is it is it possible that he's actually dreaming a lot bigger and that he essentially mm-hmm. wants to assert his control from just this small microcosm to the world at large? Could be. Yeah. Like, you know, replacing these board members might be the first step to breaking out into the real world and exerting real world control. I yeah. mean, I, I increasingly it seems like he's going like maybe this stuff with Maeve is not the reason it's being overlooked by everyone is because that's by design. He wants hosts to get out into the world. He wants this, these things to happen to further some some overall goal. Because otherwise, he's just asleep at a very specific switch. And, which... and not even asleep. He's he's maneuvering. He's manipulating the switch because he put the reveries in there, didn't he? Not only that, but we also or know at, that least, Maeve... at the very least allowed them to exist. We also know that Maeve has been altered by a person with extremely high level access. Now we've. Mm-hmm thought that that's Arnold, but it could be actually Ford. It's certainly not anyone on the board of directors because they have at most what it seems like QA access. Could be Bernard. Could be, yeah, I guess it could be Because he's under the control of Ford, which indirectly is Ford manipulating it, right? Right, right. But there could be, you know, there again, that goes back to the Bernard theory, is that there could be, you know, Bernard Bernard is essentially a more compliant version of Arnold Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, Ford disposed of and then put in in place then it could be that arnold is fighting back with me I, I don't know like there's surprisingly or maybe not surprisingly a lot up in the air going into the final act of this series um, yeah i mean the whole mystery of this this narrative that yeah. ford's weaving here uh that's been something that was teased very early on sure. and i mean still i'm not mad has, at it i'm like there's some yeah. people that seem like they're checking out or throwing their hands up like increasing alan seppenwall seems like he's frustrated with this style of storytelling but it feels like that's the natural climax of the season yeah i mean you can't be mad at them fully illuminating the thesis that they spat in the first episode right i i wouldn't think so but i mean i'm thoroughly enjoying it so well good because i was was another great episode uh, i i I always thought that you and sepinwall were kind of seeing eye to eye as far as being jerked around and stuff but and so when I read his review, I'm like, oh, shit, what's what's Jim going to say when he comes in here? But no, I, I felt less jerked around in this than I did in Mr. Robot by far. So. Okay, well, that's probably fair. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they, 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 what, spent 
two years and several expensive reshoots to get this mm-hmm. just right. So, yeah, there are very very few scenes I would call you know cheap tricks or uh-huh. anything like that. We discussed you know Bernard's wife previously right that felt like a little cheap to me but other than that i haven't had too much of a problem have you noticed how smoothly the two-time theorists have moved to the three-time theorists oh yeah oh yeah it's now a i've got four i've got a four time time yeah it's Uh current it's one year ago it's 30 years ago it's 35 years ago right and the the only reason i'm resisting because i was on the forums talking to the uh, people the only reason i'm resisting the 35 and 30 year period is it from Ford's own dis- the description of what was going on in the park, it doesn't seem like there was time for all that stuff. Um, but it could be, you know, Ford also is a liar, and we don't have we we're we're basing. I mean, I don't want to shoot down a theory or confirm it based on a few lines of off the cuff dialogue that essentially. I mean, I read it now as uh, Ford indulging one of his pet creations. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. Lots, lots, lots of interesting stuff to discuss, though. Yeah, we should probably get into it. Yeah, let's the do recap. It. Uh, we start off with Bernard struggling to deal with the aftermath of killing Teresa. Uh, Ford finds his emotional struggle to be beautiful, but not quite as beautiful as the ability for him to turn it off. <laughs> and then he tells Bernard to go clean up the mess, and Bernard does. He goes around the facility, cleaning up any trace of their involvement in Teresa's death. Uh, save for. Stubbs apparently, because Stubbs knew about uh, their relationship, and this might be the fatal flaw of Ford's plan: is that he doesn't expect like his cover up is so thorough that it actually belies what really perceptive people pick up on. Mm-hmm. Like Stubbs, whether he's a host or not, I mean that's a, a matter of small debate. Uh, right. But he's designed to be perceptive. His bulk app perception is is high, either naturally or artificially. And, you know, he's a security officer, so he knows who's fucking who. And mm-hmm. trying to uh, make common cause with Bernard, and Bernard completely brushes him off. Now, it's quite possible that could just read as someone who is proud and private and doesn't want to discuss it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. just flat denying the situation as a way to be like, you know, I have no desire. So I, I'm not sure how suspicious Stubbs is. Yeah. But you combine that with the mystery of the missing Elsie. Which it seems that Bernard also is is uh, uh, complicit in. Then I don't know. It seems like Stubbs might be uh, a big problem for Ford. Yeah, definitely could be. Um, th- there's a lot of talk of freeing Bernard here from the memories of uh, what he's done, kind of his his memory of his relationship with Teresa. Is he going to free? Because they also kind of implied that maybe that he's going to free him from the memory of his his child and wife. Which I don't know because you change that. Like, there's enough coworkers that know that part of his backstory at this point. I would imagine that that would really set off alarm bells. Plus, yeah, that's interesting. You like, can't really change his backstory much. Like, like Ford says, you need a backstory, right? Like everyone. I mean, that's you know, you don't often think of your history, but like it comes up, and the fact that like you know the absence. I wonder how long it would take you to realize that your childhood had been, your childhood memories had been erased. Like if if we were if we were able to reach in and turn off those neurons, would it be something that dawns on you gradually that there's this hole, or or would you even know? Because like, I like I don't remember ninety five percent of the stuff that happened last year, let alone thirty years ago. And we all have spots. Like some people go back further than most, but it's very rare to have memories from before you were two years old, and increasingly rare to have them before you were three or four. Right. 
Um, so, like, how would we even perceive such a gap? Like, if your entire teenage years were gone, I don't like, think you would. Would you remember that? Like, like, man, I just especially if they were replaced by something. I mean, of course, you wouldn't know that they were different than they should be. Because that's, I mean, I guess this made it all like the stuff with his wife and his child and all that a lot more plausible. That I mean, because he's got perfect recall of these things. But you're right. Like, if you just replaced my teenage years with a generic version of high school like that's kind of all i remember anyway i remember a couple of encounters a <laughs> right. couple of jokes a couple of late night pizza board game sessions and everything else is yeah it's a blur. Know, yeah it's not even a blur it's just a blank spot right but i don't know like it's, i i wonder if if that is something that people would just not even notice it seems it seems uh, pl- plausible anyway yep uh i do like you know the destruction of the memory Along with the destruction of all these pieces of evidence, the as the goods. parallel, yeah, between between those two things. And all the other I thing is nicely done. Bernard's a really smart robot, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is he able to, you know? Uh, I, I just watch him as he's going around plucking hairs out of his apartment and stuff. It's like, you know, I, and as I remember making a murderer, like. Is it really plausible that you're going to be able to hide all evidence, the fact that you were in her apartment? Well, he, and... tur- he turned his evidence-hiding attribute way up, <laughs> really? all the way to 20. But I'm yeah. saying it's like if you if you guys sent in the guys in this clean suits and vacuumed every square foot of her uh, apartment and, and analyzed all the sheets through a DNA machine, like, you really wouldn't find anything? And what would Bernard's DNA even right. fucking look like? Maybe he doesn't maybe, – maybe that's one of the uh, oh. host attributes that they don't give off. Like, they don't shed skin cells or hair follicles or stuff like that. Wouldn't that be surprising to Stubbs, though, to find nothing where he would expect to find something? Well, like, Wouldn't if that you cause Bernard's, more investigation? Looked, yeah, I guess if you looked in Bernard's apartment, you'd expect to find Bernard there. A lot of him, yeah. <laughs> it's nothing but bleach and luminol. I, it's like, <laughs> that's all I find in his apartment. Um, yeah, I guess that's true. I wonder, and the other thing is, uh, you know, if uh, if Nolan and Joy were listening to this podcast, are they like, Ugh, you know, like you're thinking this way to making a murderer than we? Oh want yeah, you to. like yeah. I I, sh- I showed a shot of him picking up a hair. What more do you want? What more do you fucking people want? He he handled it. Okay, it's been handled. Right. The next the next three episodes could have been him just cleaning up the mess. It's just Bernard CSI. Vacu- like he's got his maid outfit on. Sure. He's just vacuuming furiously. For- he's calling the cleaners from John Wick. He's giving them a couple <laughs> right. gold gold coins and <laughs> party for one. Yeah. So, so there's a new bot in town. Uh, Klim has been replaced by a blonde hair bot. Do you who, recognize her? Yeah, from a couple places. So she's she's the one who greets William when he comes in. Uh, she's also in the town later. Wait, wait. Are you talking about the new Clementine? Yeah. No, the new, so the new Clementine is not the same as... Uh, oh, right, right. That's that's the bot out in the field that they find, yeah, that yeah, the Man yeah. of Black finds. This, yeah. this is Lily Simmons, who's most famous from her work on Banshee. But also oh. had a very small role as one of the underage women that Woody Harrelson hit on as Marty in True Detective. Really? Okay. Yeah. But uh, if you're a Banshee yeah. fan, she's huge part of Banshee. All right. Uh, yeah, so Clint's been replaced, and it's bothering Maeve. Uh, suddenly, she has some more flashbacks to her daughter out on the plains, and she wakes up in the lab and wants to know what the hell's happening to her. Felix explains her memories are perfect, and therefore her life sucks more. Uh, Maeve wants to leave and wants to help them get, uh, wants them to help her get out. And she decides we're going to go give me some administrative control over 
all of the hosts so I can build an army. <laughs> I suppose. I mean, I still think it's it's more likely she's going to go raid cold storage than than build a cl- uh, some kind of army. But uh, we also found out about the spinal bombs. We've been speculating about what form of physical control they have, uh, and apparently there's a, a small explosive right in, in the uh, the C six vertebra, um, which if severed would would paralyze a person. Uh, mm-hmm. But I imagine it would be more like in a decapitation if it was an explosion. Oh yeah, so, I hope so. you're just gonna you're you're gonna die. I want to see some fireworks. Yeah, sure, sure. Like you want to know that was a bot and not just like right. they fall over. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she needs a admin privileges and an army, and it's yep. going to be interesting. Also, I like the way that she's got. Like at first, she gets distracted by her memories. Like she wants to know about the little girl and what happened to Clem, and she's like, you know what? Fuck it. This was all just bullshit fiction anyway. It's got to got to stay focused getting the hell out of here yeah i mean it's interesting like how much of your history how much of your story makes you who you are um sure and and mave seems to want to ignore that at this point because it's artificial but is i suppose is that any less valuable to her in the moment than than would be a real history that she had like why is she why is she ignoring the history that she currently lives with in favor of one, uh, in favor it's of a not, blank history. I mean, it's, it's very, it's very Neo from the the Matrix, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, you're espousing the cipher part of the equation, which is like, fuck it, it's not none of it's and real. And yet, so. Neo uses his residual self image right. whenever he's in the Matrix, right? Uh, but I, I, I guess it's like, you know, the do you value authentic experience and and correct information? Um, Here's the thing, though. That backstory she had, uh-huh. that's authentic experience. She has lived through that. It's not like this was implanted in her, much like the Teddy and Wyatt story. But this is something she actually experienced with her daughter. True, but but you you just go. It's turtles all the way down, man. You you peel that back, and that was just a story. Like she's not. She didn't physically give birth to that child. She didn't love it for years and raise it. Like she was given his backstory and inserted in his cabin, and there she goes. Right, but now these memories are informing who she is in the present day. I mean, so that's what I'm saying. Like, is was Neo <laughs> Neo or is he Mister Anderson? You know, right? Uh, he's both, right? Yeah. No, I I'm not trying to argue for one side necessarily of this. I just think it's an interesting question that the show is raising, right. and I do like their depiction of perfect memory here, where. It's it's less like memory and more like uh, you're living it again. Yeah, and especially since like it's fragment fragmentary. Like yeah. you know, like like we're talking about in our analogy, like uh, you know, it's not like she's got missing chunks. But instead of us like where it's fuzzy, I got fuzzy memories of how it'd be like if I could relive thirty random minutes of my you know adolescence mm-hmm. in perfect recall as as there. It would be weird. It'd be weird. Yeah. Because like I, I can't even like man thinking about memories kind of kind of crazy. Because if you think about it, like, are your memories in first person? Are they more like my memories are a little bit more uh, contextual? Yeah, like, just... like my like when I think about, it, I don't think of literally like here's my peripheral vision, here's what I'm seeing. It's almost right. like I think of them as like individually composed shots of like this is what this looked like and that's but yep, like it's almost like my awareness of self has been divorced from those. So I don't know. I, I find this shit really interesting and fascinating to think about yeah the the concerning thing here i guess with this memory is that they're kind of taking the angle that all memory is pain and they're kind of ignoring the good parts 
well, like the mem- remembering great moments with like every memory we've seen has been a horrific trauma to the characters. But doesn't that track with what the thesis of the show has been, which is they're at their most lifelike during these trauma? Mm-hmm. Like, like this, this sure. goes back to the man in black saying this episode, that like for one brief moment, this woman was alive. And that's a little, what separates us. Like, you know, animals can feel in, intense pain, but they don't contextualize it as like, oh my God, I'm dying right now. Or, oh my God, it's my, ch-. like, it's, it's, it's much more instinctual. So maybe there is something into like, you know, animals can be, can experience like rage and, and depression and things like that, but this kind of stuff, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe they are they are on to something, or at least trying to suggest something there. Yeah, I guess. I mean, also, positive memories are part of pain. I mean, without True. the positive memories of something, you feel no pain when it's gone. Right. So, I suppose they are indirectly showing the other side of it and via that, the pain. Maybe they are showing that duality because the image always begins with like her holding hands and walking through the prairie and like then playing hide and seek. So you're, yeah. I guess that you're right. It's kind of like both sides of the experience right there. Yeah. So Dolores and William arrive at a beach where Ghost Nation have attacked some Confederados. One is still alive and says they were going to ambush him. And Dolores says they have to get him help. But William's like, no, this guy was going to kill us. We're not doing anything. Then Dolores goes to get some water and has a vision of herself down in the river where she tells herself, come find me, or she hears a voice that says, come find me. Uh, And then she returns and they head off. This guy's dead. So the three timeline theory briefly states that when... So she's here, that that she's actually on a third loop where she's alone walking through and, and seeing these things. Um, and the thing she's seeing is stuff like her dead body in the river. Um, she's seeing, which I guess that's something that we're going to, if, if the three timelines theory is correct, that's going to be something we see her experience with William. Experience with what would be something she experienced? The fact her that body you, you in the saw river? her body lying in the river and she's dressed as the gunslinger. Mm-hmm. Like that's like, you know, you got the blue dress version of her. You got the gunslinger version of her. And she sees in the river the gunslinger version. So if you're a three-timeline aficionado now, you're saying that we're actually seeing Dolores in the present alone looking at this river and seeing her dead body, but also simultaneously triggering her memory of being with William in this exact same loop. Mm-hmm. I suppose there's nothing to say. Because the other thing is if you're just saying, well, well maybe that's just a primitive, like, no, no, you cannot. Like, I saw a little bit of hand-waving on the yeah, Like, you they're... cannot do that because that's not what these robots do. No. Uh, right. If this was some arrival-esque alien race, maybe. Right. Uh, that's not what's happening here. They're seeing memories. Right. And, and reliving those. And that's the, the thing is, and people are like, oh, well, she's recontextualizing herself. And I'm like, I, that's still like, maybe, maybe, but that's something that doesn't seem like they're telling us from a narrative point of view. I honestly don't know what they're doing. I mean, it could it could notch in, in a different timeline or a different time frame, you know? I mean, how many times has she repeated this That's, this journey? Because we had a two-timeline, now it's a three-timeline. Right. Uh, who in, and, and technically Maybe a four-timeline. Maybe there's a fifth Just seeing line. how this has ended before. She, right. is, she has ended here. Yeah. She has been killed maybe alongside, uh, you know, whoever these guys were, the Confederados or something. Maybe right. killed by them mm-hmm. because they set up an ambush. Right. Uh, who knows? It's it's all kind of up in the air, right? I do and, feel like they, if because, you believe, because you're right. This the the one thing the robots who seem to be aware of the maze have said is that it's not for humans. 
Mm-hmm. So the loop, this isn't a narrative loop that exists for William and Logan to discover. This is existing for her. So the fact that they're with her or not, they're kind of like, in a way, the hosts to her guest. Right. That's interesting. It's an in- yeah. interesting inversion of it. Sure. Uh, do you think they're pushing, if if you're on board with this William equals man in black idea, which I don't know, I suppose I'm still on board with, um, do you think they're pushing William more in that direction when he wants to leave this guy behind? He's left Logan behind. In fact, I thought he doesn't want to help this guy. That, I thought when she was getting fetching water, what was going to bring her out of reverie is a gunshot. Yeah, and, and he would have like, killed him. Yeah, but it, it seems like, and also if you got if you go with the William is man, man in black theory, then you have to accept the fact that the man in black never went black hat until a year ago after his wife died. Right. So, well, you know, killing – I mean, I don't know what I why, consider – I guess why do you say that? Because uh, he said, like, he um, – when he – well, I mean, I guess maybe gone black hat, but for what – he didn't do anything what he considered truly evil because right, that's what he right. said. Yeah. Um, although, again, what the hell does truly evil mean in the context of the video game? Right. I mean, this, I'm with these, you there. This is tr- just as tra- trauma from like me arguing with my mother about video games and like you know the fact that I'm not a fucking mass murderer and right. I think he just perceived his deeds differently because in that moment he saw Maeve as being alive. You know, he he realized. Oh, so I guess that's the evil. The, the that's when he did something truly evil. Because yeah, and okay. if he had not caught that glimpse, he right. probably would have just said, "No, I'm fine." Because he did things video game evil. Because he talks about his wife seeing glimpses of that behind right. the wall that he erected of his philanthropist, yeah, uh, good guy thing. And and he also got to wonder like, what is going to what flipped him from William to man? And this is, again, granting the William equals man in black theory. Um, Which may or may not be true, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean... Should we, before we... Did, did we talk about... Should should we actually define the... Because there's, there's probably some people like, what the hell are you talking about these four timeline theories? Okay, so, so sure. So let's break it down real quick. You've got, yeah. you've got now... And I can't tell you Which exactly what man scenes are what. But now, is, black, now yeah. is man in black for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it's Teresa, Dr. Ford. it's Hale, it's all yeah, old Doctor yep. Ford. Um, also burnt out church. The church is burnt mm-hmm. out in the here and now. Uh, yes, that's true. Definitely, a year ago, mm-hmm. which is when Man in Black snapped and killed Maeve, and when Maeve got reassigned as the Madam of the you know Mariposa Inn. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got thirty years ago. Which is when the, the William and Logan entered the park and uh, d- do this loop with with um, uh, uh, Dorth- Dorothy, no Dolores, Dolores, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and then thirty five years ago is what people surmise is when uh, Arnold gets killed in some kind of test version of the park, right? Um, but and again, I don't think it's literally thirty five years ago. It's just sometime in between the, you know, Ford and Arnold founding the park and and starting work on the robots and the park opening. Mm-hmm. Um, and he might even happened after the park opened. Um, and then the other thing is that if you believe in this theory, that thirty years ago the church was still a burnt out husk because that's how William perceives it. Yeah. But in the thirty five year period time ago, the it was a vibrant frontier town. Right. Maybe the Sweetwater 1.0. Uh, yeah, it could have been. Um, it certainly seems to be the site of the attack by Wyatt. Yes. The massacre that Which, they refer to. Well, I'm going to, since you mentioned that, I'm going to go ahead and, and say that, is Dolores Wyatt? Uh, no, I think Arnold is Wyatt. 
I think huh. Dolores may have killed Wyatt because he was going on in some kind of rampage. Yeah, but well, no, because because she was told to by Ford, or Ford had control over her huh. uh, in a way that Arnold didn't. I don't know. There's an interesting yeah, I mean, that, theory that's on where, Reddit about that, it. That's where the that's where stuff gets a little fuzzy for me. I'm right, and we'll I think we'll talk about it more when we get to that scene because there are some like specifics of stuff on the screen mm-hmm. that makes it okay. sort of make sense. Okay. Uh, but Ford, Hale, and Stubbs are discussing Teresa's death, and there, there's a transmitter that we saw earlier was pulled out of that uh, stray. They found it near her body, and Stubbs explains that she might have been trying to get Data out of the park herself uh, after the stray failed. And then Ford adds that he examined Clementine's code, and the demo was a hoax the previous day. He says, we're going to need to install a more principled team in QA, and he gets Bernard reinstated. Yeah, he just blows Hale up. And he does. she's got, like, she has the inkling of an idea of what's happened, but Ford just completely outmaneuvers and outclasses her and, and, and hoists her up by her own bullshit um, and shoddy code and yeah. shoddy, shoddy strategy. Uh, it's just like... Um, and what's funny is I now see Hale as inept. Why is that? Because... Just her plan is ridiculous, and 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 tapping Lee Sizemore, who she knows is unstable. See, but I, I'm just th- thinking that instead of like bemoaning, like why are these smart people doing these stupid things? I'm starting to think that it's a, a part of the plot that a lot of the people here at Westworld are just dumb mm-hmm. or not on the level that that um, that that Ford is. So is that? Oh, certainly. Yeah. Does that sit? Does that sit okay with you? Because it, it makes a in lot. In some of the, instances, in others, no. Um, I mean, because I've been part of plenty of companies where management, middle management, employees were all some brand of incompetent, uh, ill-advised, uh, you know, bad. Just and then they're they're bad places to work. Yeah. So it's like I don't know why. Just because this is a high tech industry, we have to think that everyone is super geniuses to work on it, from the money guys to the janitors on down. So, right, like, like things starting to click more when I'm just like, well, maybe Hale's just an idiot. Mm-hmm. Maybe Teresa just wasn't as smart as she thought she was. How much do you think Hale knows about what Ford has done? I don't think she knows about Bernard. I think, I think she suspects much, but but knows little. Okay, and, and probably. Di- and do I you think, think her, she, she still thinks she's in the clear with Ford, or does she realize that Ford is on to I her? I think she know, and I think that that's why she's her prime objective is to get this data out of the park so she can then deal with Ford. Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, we'll yeah we'll we'll talk more about that later. Okay. So Sylvester tries to take control of the situation with Maeve, but. Felix allows her to learn how to oh, modify what, herself. R- r- real quick, the other kind of bomb is that Ford offers to automate most of the park's safety systems. Yeah. So they're going to replace things at QA. Um, to me, that's another, like, kind of fascist coup move. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm going I'm to take this park that I already exert all powerful control over and make it even more of my my servant and creature and acting like it's somehow a sacrifice on his part Yo, yeah. it'll take some work yeah it'll Absolutely. take some work but you know with bernard's help that you'll reinstate of course <laughs> right he gets two things he wants more control and his goon back right so <laughs> bernard his, is his, now a goon all right yeah it's frankenstein's monster i guess That's, yeah you know? yep so sylvester tries to take control of the situation uh with mave but felix 
allows her to learn how to modify herself, and now she wants to be taken to behavioral in order to make some she modifications that, to her get, core code. She's got to get that explosive out of her spine, too. She does, yeah, eventually. Uh, so the mechanics go outside the room for a second, and Sylvester decides we're going to wipe Maeve's brain once we get her up there. And he go- he goes off to prepare, and Felix goes back in the room with Maeve. I did like the line that Sylvester had about the only thing we can do is boost your sense of humor about how fucked you are. Right. <laughs> That's pretty good. Sylvester's pretty pretty funny, even though he's he's stupid in his way. Yeah. Uh, you can sympathize with, with Maeve's uh, lament here about things being just out of her reach, right? Like, right. she knows she's capable of certain things and now has, like, empirical evidence that she's been designed with those capabilities she just can't she doesn't have access to them she can't unlock them right and it's frustrating yep and i would i would think that's true i know that's true of myself so sure uh, i mean it's it's like uh, another like flowers of algernon situation in reverse you know like i used to be able to do these things and they're slipping through my fingers and like uh, you know and uh it, it's almost like what's the what would be the mental version of body horror like mental horror mind horror mind horror (laughs) you know what i mean it's not like you know you got a fly eye popping out from your real eye it's like you know a recovering of past lives or you know like a born identity would be example of that like what the hell's going on yeah most amnesiac stories i guess are like that so this is a solid plan though bricker during her system update it's (sighs) bricker right in the memory Sure, I'm with I'm with Sylvester here, Bricker. The problem is I don't think he's realized that Felix has become on board with her. Felix is completely sympathizing and relating to her and seeing her, just like How Arnold he before not him. Realize he needs to turn up his his emotional perception here because I think this he, guy's putting off all those signals. Yeah, but I wonder if this is supposed to we're supposed to see that this is kind of like Doctor Ford's situation where you've got this guy who's always been dominant and always been able to control and bowl over Felix, and Felix has found that a little bit of spine and a sure. little bit, of, you know, and he also he's underest he's underestimated him because you know he he sees him as just a, a a body shop kind of guy, and he's already progressed beyond that with the bird and now Maeve, so. Not only has he gotten a right. taste of this power and, and relates to the it, like Maeve struggle to become more than she is, mm-hmm. but also he sees this as a like ah this is a living thinking being thing now we can't just shut it off which you know right. Maeve tells us later so this isn't like a big leap I'm making but she's really playing into his I wouldn't call it power fantasy but his fantasy of being more than he is right now which I, that's you know I, she's exactly like these what things I've are ex- very complicated and I will write them down for you and you can you can do to me what you wanted to do to that bird and right that, that's exactly what I think a a prostitute with uh, a bulk apperception jacked up to 20 would do right uh-huh sure. so I um I also think that a lot of this stuff with Felix and, and Sylvester makes sense. Like the fact that like Felix isn't going along with this just because he's scared and he's a frightened, but he's actually bought into sure. the struggle. I buy Felix here. Okay. I really do. I buy Felix motivations. I think he's doing things that come naturally to that character. Right. Sylvester on the other hand, I think is an abomination of a character because he, he is not taking any action himself, even though it's clear that he wants to. He wants to get Maeve shut down. He wants to get rid of this problem. And yet 
Is he capable of it? Is that something we're supposed to read between the lines that be, be, Felix that he doesn't have the access that Felix has? Yeah, because because Felix has put it'd be like um, you know someone wanting to shut down some kind of program, but they're not a programmer. They're just the hardware guy, and they got one hardware guy that's been cramming nights and weekends on the code, and he can compile shit. So like the guy knows what to do, but he doesn't know how to do it. Felix doesn't want to do it, but knows how to do it, and. I mean, Sylvester seems to me like the kind of guy who the first time something goes wrong, he's like, open your tablet. And then uh-huh. he, he snatches out of his hands and does what he needs to do. So like, I mean, Sylvester I, I is think... very forceful and aggressive and yeah, sure. is not acting in that way. He's talking that way, but he's not acting that way. Well, I think so. I guess the show has tried to walk this tightrope between where you've got to buy that Sylvester was cowed into by his own arrogance and greed. Uh-huh. And to going along with his plan until he sees that it's like, okay, there's no way. Here's the way out. Here's the way out I've always seen. Mm-hmm. But then he can't conceive that his friend would fuck him or would side with the robot. But he's seen his friend do it multiple times. I mean, if. But I, I mean, I guess I guess I'm trying to argue something that I already buy. Like I I I right. I, 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 I guess I made so. play a piece with this like two three episodes ago, and as I'm watching the episodes, I'm like, oh okay, well yes, that makes sense, and that makes sense, and to me, it's like you can just write off. So you know, I don't know why everyone wants to make or I, I don't know what the argument for making Sylvester some Machiavellian genius. Like people do stupid shit. Sure, I I agree. People do stupid shit, and but when they sloppy, see that they've yeah. done stupid shit, they try to correct those problems. And he doesn't seem to be trying to correct anything here. He's letting Felix do all of the maneuvering but here, again, and it I don't, has not worked for him. Um, I don't think that I don't think Sylvester can do the shit that Felix is doing. And I think that they've tr- they've tried to illustrate that. Not everyone's picked up on it. Obviously, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Um, and now that it's too late and Maeve is, like, threatening him physically and whatnot, like, you know, there's some genuine terror here now, too. Mm-hmm. Because this woman not only is stronger than you and capable of doing violence, but she's also manifestly smarter than you. So now what? Sure. And she's also got powers that they don't un- – everything is, like, I, I rattling around the back of Phoenix's Felix's head has got to be – Shit, I have shut this woman down and she's popped off the table numerous occasions. Mm-hmm. So it's actually a pretty big stretch to think that this is the time that she's going to shut down and I can really fuck her and nothing's going to happen. I mean, it could be part right, of Right, but you pre- don't have to do that. I mean, the, clearly changing their their abilities works. Right. So change them all to zero. Right. Yeah. I <laughs> and mean, call it a day. Change yeah. them all to zero. Say, hey, Maeve, look, that, that incinerator shaped thing over there, that's the way out. But he, Go get in there. Sylvester might want to do that. I don't think. I, the other thing is, I, I know Felix, Felix, Felix does, doesn't want to do that. Yeah, but Felix is also weak willed, obviously weak willed. And I can't, I can't even fathom the idea that Sylvester couldn't convince him yeah. uh, forcefully, if necessary, to to. Do the things that need to be done in this situation. I don't know. That's maybe, the fundamental problem. Maybe you I have, have to put yourself in a position where you're behind between two very powerful, persuasive people. Who are those people? Uh, Maeve and Sylvester. But Maeve is smarter oh. and willing to kill you. But Maeve also has built in control mechanisms. <laughs> Does she? Yeah, absolutely. If you take her bulk app perception and throw it to zero, it's going to have an effect, right? Yeah, but she, they, the other thing that – okay, one other argument, and then we got to move on because, like, I'm not interested in right. arguing with people that are not going to be swayed. Um, sure. Knowing that someone high-level to them has fucked with her kind of implies that she's important. 
So, like, I think there's also... And yet this, they modify her anyway. But I also think there's this thing that, like, Sylvester's, like, not only do they have to wipe her, but they have to come up with some pretense of how it happened because they're all, you know, when the higher-up finds out what the fuck is going on, they're going to be implicated. So I think that if we put... if we if I read between all the lines, I'm seeing Felix or Sylvester put in this box uh, where he's he can't see exactly a way out that's clean, and that's what and 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 he's going along with it until he finds the opportunity to get out clean, and then at the end, Felix fucks him. Yeah, there I guess he just doesn't realize he's digging himself deeper every moment. Well, I'm thinking every moment that this person is walking around causing chaos. But until she gets out of the park, and upgrading it's all, herself, it's all uh, it's it's all containable, right? In his mind, and like as as if, if unless they decide to, unless somebody notices it, I mean, that's a problem. He's he's dealing with consequences in the here and now as well. Sure, I don't know. I do like how you know they have this conversation outside, and Maeve clearly can tell what's going on. I mean, she is built to read body language. Oh, yeah. So, do you think she could read lips? Like, uh, I don't know she, if she can, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, she, knows she knows the tone of that conversation. Right, right. So, you know, it makes a lot of sense that off screen she's convinced Felix yes. to do what needs to be done to keep her around. Right. So Teddy and the Man in Black talk about the nature of the game, which starts Teddy kind of on the path to remembering who he is. Jesus Christ, Teddy is glitching out now too. Yeah, for the, all the of one them. rock I could depend on. Now you're gonna you're gonna have five timelines, you little son of a bitch. Yep, they ride up on some bodies. A woman who's still alive is there. She says Wyatt's men killed them, and then this massive beastly dude attacks them. Uh, clearly from Wyatt's party. Would you describe him as a minotaur? I would. That, yeah, that is in a guarding maze, perhaps. some sort of maze. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> I would. With with Teddy as a thief. So we actually have a pretty interesting email breaking down the Greek theory if you want to stick, stick through the feedback for it. Okay. Teddy remembers that the man in black hurt Dolores, and he knocks him out. Yeah. Uh, the man in black recognizes Elon Musk's ex-wife as uh, the right. person that perhaps greeted him. Yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of people are like, aha, proof. And it, it's pretty compelling evidence. But on the other hand, how many people has she greeted in 30 30- plus years of of being the insertion person of the park and we know the man in black has been going to the park for about that time period too so unless you want to say william is the only person who i mean again i i'm kind of on board with the man in black as william theory at this Mm -hmm. point um but i mean we also it's not ironclad proof no i mean everybody who comes through that park would meet her and she or someone like her. and and there's nothing in this that says that she was the greeter at the time he just says, she could I have been in a you. saloon. Sure. She could have been uh, in On a church. Moon. I mean, right. She could have been sucking a spoon. <laughs> Other things anything. that rhyme. Right. Uh, it's interesting how there's always, like, one body, one person left alive who can just cough out a, a side quest, just cough out a little nugget, a, a breadcrumb. I mean, for once it makes sense, though, right? Because this is all narrative. Right. So, right. yeah, yeah. There's... But it's always narrative. Sure, I mean. Sure. That's the nature of it, just like a video game. Right. You always have the one loose end that can be picked up on for a quest. Right. Uh, so what is this this beast? Is it human? Is it I don't a robot? Is I it... honestly don't know. Okay. I, uh, I, I think it's got to be a bot because Teddy shoots it and the bullets affect it. Yeah. Like, so we saw these guys take a lot of damage before, but it could just be that they are tough or they're in a heightened mental state right. or whatever. Or so. they're they're ability is turned up right like their strength or their toughness or, or they could or be their... wearing some kind of weird body armor like clint eastwood's got the pot belly stove thing on his chest and they're oh, you know right. like that uh, who, who knows who knows yeah 
So the the techs take Maeve to a room where they can perform the modifications he's, she's requested, and Felix is supposed to wipe her and kind of, you know, hovers his fingers over some screens. Why did she tell Sylvester good luck? Uh, I like how she shuts down know. and she's staring right at him. It's like, creepy. Yeah, yeah, it's very unsettling and, and awesome. I, I didn't know exactly what she meant by good luck, though. I, it kind of felt like taunting him. Yeah. Like, maybe, I know I'm going to wake up here in a second. Maybe not the smartest thing in the world to do. Why do you say that? Well, I mean, like, if you have convinced Felix to, like, um, she... Is she vulnerable? Like, I mean, I just don't know. Like, I don't... When she mm-hmm. says that she's got stuff buried deep within, part of it could be... Arnold has bred some of these machines or programmed some of these machines in such a way that they are resistant to some shutdown commands or they still maintain conscious awareness throughout different diagnostic procedures that they they shouldn't be. I mean, I mean, this felt very much like a reboot of a computer. I know this is a fact because I've seen Maeve resist being shut down by even Dr. Ford when he's playing his magic music. Like she, even after he did the uh, the reverie music to put her to sleep, and that's the old trick from the old friend. I'm assuming he's talking about Bernard. She still fought through that. You mean Arnold? Arnold. Yeah. God. Well, Bernard. Uh, uh. I chose my words carefully, <laughs> sir. Okay. Uh, but you know what I'm saying? She he was she was able to fight through every level of control she, he had up until she's he's formatting her hard drive. You know, mm-hmm. like she's got some kind of special thing to her. Yeah. I mean, this scene felt more like. You know, in in the computer world, if you are making changes to the kernel of an operating system. Right. Because she's talking about her core code. Right. You would have to take that operating system offline, rebuild it, and stick it back onto the computer. Right. There's no other way to do it. So that that's what I think is happening here, and she is actually vulnerable in this moment. Maybe. And the good luck is like... Felix is either going to do the thing for me or do the thing for you. I'm pretty confident that he's going to do the thing for me. Good luck, buddy. Yeah, I'm just saying if you are truly in this vulnerable state, the last thing you want to do is taunt a person who could just be like, you know what, fuck it, pick up a scalpel and jam it through your forehead. Sure. Game over. And probably should have. Right. There's a million ways to kill this bot. I don't know why Sylvester does none of them. I do like their heist gear, though. They're in full-on heist gear, full-on behavioral get-up. Yep. And, you know, it's the thing is, I just thought that's what Elsie dressed up as. I don't know why it took me this long to realize that, oh, yes, they're all wearing the same. In fact, Except Bernard, right? He's the head Ber- of the department. Yeah, that, that like, makes sense that he yeah. wouldn't be wearing, like, the fucking technician coats. But they're essentially lab coats that are – they're just essentially black lab coats that have, like, mm-hmm. the, you know, logo on their shoulders. I, I never noticed that before, the fact that they have, like, logos on, on their uh, shoulders. Yeah. Uh, but they are all, like, the black on black, so it's easy to, to miss. It's true. So we go over to Lee, who's working on a Cannibal Wyatt storyline that Ford assigned him. Hale comes in and tells him that the loss of Teresa is a shame because she was working on some business for the company, but won't tell him what it is. She will, however, tell him that Ford is just giving him busy work with this Wyatt thing and offers him a job working for her instead. And they get very meta with the show, don't tell. Like I, I, yeah. I, I, I like that. Um, so the Buffalo guy, the Minotaur guy is a design that's hanging up on Sizemore's wall. Mm-hmm. So does that imply that not all this is busy work? Does that imply that um, well, Ford took and repurposed some of these things to fit his narrative? That's possible. We do know that he's been using some of the, the bots for his narrative, right? Right. He's been disrupting storylines. Um, the, the other thing it could be is he's 
gotten access Ford's given him access to the characters that he's created in order to create oh, a better right. riot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh that's possible. It's a great way to keep him, I guess, uh busy though. Yeah. I just think Lee as the new Teresa is a pretty bad situation. <laughs> sure. Like you said earlier, entrusting Lee to be the guy to get the information out for you. It's a desperation move. It is. They, they did sell me on the fact that Hale, like again, I don't like her character. I don't think it fits anything that what they're they're trying to do, but um, they did sell me the fact that she was desperate and afraid. Mm-hmm. So you got to go like this guy. She thinks he can be trusted because he spouted a whole bunch of anti-Ford rhetoric. So he's a safe choice, even though he's an idiot. He's a safe choice to to aid and abet her without rocking the boat. Uh huh. So maybe maybe she's smarter than I give her credit for. Not as smart as Ford, I don't think. No, no, of course. So we do find out a little bit about, I guess, some timeline stuff here and Ford's project. Uh, Hale says that he dug up an old town, which we were kind of pretty sure he was going for. Sure. Uh, he also created a horde of masked men to proselytize why it's coming. So right. it appears that this is a very recent creation and that perhaps Wyatt has not all along had these monsters. Or these masked men are potentially just a recreation of what happened 30 years ago in the it's park. It's a fictionalizing of something that's happened. Which we do that all the time. Like, sure. you know, Platoon didn't literally happen. It's based on some heightened reality of people's impressions of things that happened in Vietnam, you know? Oh, yeah. And I, I think, so I think Ford that's is actually definitely pretty, fictionalizing Arnold's story. I think that's pretty in interesting. Wyatt. To what end, I don't know. But mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that he is essentially taking things that actually happened, dramatizing them, and then right. running them back as a plot. Yeah. Although I think it's more than a plot, too. I think he intends this to be a game changer. This is not just a new narrative for him. I think so, too. Um, and, and it really becomes clear, if you if you think of Arnold as Wyatt, um, it becomes clear that Teddy is, is the man uh, who Ford would be in that scenario, I guess. Because uh, he, well, he wasn't able to stop Wyatt. Or is Teddy supposedly? I wonder if Teddy is like a a, a, a stand-in for the William character, right? They have a and, long De- and Dolores too. would be the Ford, and and, and he, if he's trying to wrap yeah. all that stuff in, like in, in in this telling, that it would make sense that he have this guy who is kind of like the idealized version of William, mm-hmm. this guy who just wants to do things for Dolores, and right, he's sturdy and handsome and not too bright. Yeah, uh, I don't think William had anything to do with the original. Wyatt stuff, though, I right? don't know. Clearly okay. not. Yeah. yeah. He's a tourist originally. Right. Okay, so we go to Sylvester and Felix once again. They're talking about the dark deed that they've done, which is destroy Maeve. But she wakes back up, and she says they've changed her core code, which I guess is what she was after, and then cuts Sylvester's throat. Mm-hmm. Just, just nicks him. Gives him a little tiny little nick on the neck there. Uh, didn't bleed like I expected it to, but that's because this was all just for effect, and Maeve has Felix patch him back up Star Trek style. Or it's a revelation that Sylvester is actually a host. Oh, man. Can you just mend the person? Like, do they have that kind of flesh-mending technology? Apparently. Hmm. I mean, it makes sense, given how they repair these well, like, these hosts. if it's, synth, like, some kind of synth flesh tool, but can you repair, like, you know, not just... Because, like, she severed... I mean... I guess she didn't sever his artery because if she did, it would have been like fucking spraying yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this show knows enough to do that, right? 
yeah, it, it honestly surprised me how little it was bleeding until I realized, oh, it, she wants to patch him back up. So she did that on purpose. But also, I think they implied that it's a fatal wound if they didn't do anything. Like, yeah. I don't get it because she, it looked like she cut him right there in the, the artery slash jugular, and mm-hmm. at which point he should have, like, bled out rapidly. Mm-hmm. But I Just nicked know. him. Just gave him a tiny just little... Just gave him a little nick. Yeah, just gave a little nick. Give him a little nick. Uh, uh, can we talk about the, spo- the spoiler from last episode what was that the fact that so i'd read an article that that i thought implied that nolan had said that these guys were going to understand that they're hosts and i can't find the article that says the exact phrasing that i thought so there's it could be that i got some things confused in my research Mm. and took a bunch of things i blended together and had like a a false spoiler thing because uh, all he said is, like, people are like, well, why aren't the techs just going to reformat Maeve? And he goes, well, we'll wait for episode eight. Um, I can't find anything more than that. I could have swore up and down that I had seen something. Um, because, the, honestly, I'm reaching here. I don't think that this is definitive proof that either one of them are hosts. And it doesn't seem likely that they are at this point. Yeah, I wouldn't say so. So I apologize. It, rare, it's it's rare that I have a full editorial retraction, but I honestly can't find the source that I thought. I don't know if I dreamed it. I don't know if it's a false <laughs> implanted fucking memory. I don't know. Are you hearing Jonathan it's Nolan's more voice likely in your head? I spent so much time on because, like, come find me, a Rod. One of the, one of the <laughs> well, I mean, one of the symptoms. <laughs> one of the symptoms of me being resistant to the Bernard as a host and the multiple timeline theories is I was largely ignorant of their details. So I spent okay. a lot of time last week really trying to get a good grasp of the mechanics of how those theories were working. Um, and as a result, I spent a lot of maybe too much time on the Westworld subreddit. And I, I, I guess I got some wires crossed. Came out. Am I losing my mind? I might have. When I is think, now? Right. What's Who, happening? Where are we? When are we? Yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe he meant it, assuming he even said this in in some article somewhere. Maybe he meant it in the sense that you know, William is the host to Dolores, like you said earlier. Well, right. They I are the also host to Maeve. I also would put world. it past like a redditor to like block quote a Nolan thing, but then change a few words just to like to troll people. Sure. Yeah. And then when I actually read the interview and saw, I mean, I I, I don't know. I'm a, I apologize though. I I didn't mean to lead people astray. Okay. So or Maeve... did I? <laughs> Maybe I'm being paid by Nolan and and Joy to to fuck with you people. Yep. Uh, Maeve says, hey, it's time to recruit my army. She goes into Sweetwater, changes the bartender's mind about the size of her tab, and gets a, a free drink in the process. How the fuck is she doing this? She now has wireless control over everything, apparently. She is Ford. I mean, she got. she's just using the... Because the bicameral mind thing should only work with older type hosts. Maybe she instinctively knows which of those are. Because she's just verbally... Right. I mean, maybe she is wireless rewriting them. I don't know. She is a supervisor robot. Maybe that gives her some special powers that the ordinaries don't. I don't know. I wish I knew more about mechanically how this was happening. Yeah, she has some kind of administrative control, which is specifically mentioned. So right. she she may be able to rewrite the memories of these hosts at will, mm-hmm. uh, much like Ford can with, well, with Teddy. Why is she waiting for the Eschaton attack? Uh, I think she's having fun. I think she's having a grand old time. But she knows specifically her this powers. is the time I... Oh, okay. I think she's making sure this shit works. So she's saying, like, this is an opportunity where a lot of people die and there's a lot of chaos. I can go and do a lot of, like, subtle to large fucking fuckery right. and not... 
I thought maybe it's because there was a little bit of like, is Hector going to remember any of this? Uh, probably not. He doesn't seem like I didn't think he's... Teddy did either, and he's starting yeah. to. Like, like I mean, I eventually wonder... he might. Sure, hmm. okay. it's part of his memory now. Right, right. Hmm. Um, but yeah, no, there was. I actually enjoyed this kind of. You know, I thought this is a great fun scene. Right, the sheriff being rewrote, and the fact that uh, uh, Armstice was kind of like what, and then just <laughs> shot shot the guy anyway, and then the marks yep. quick drawing each other. It was it was a fun. It was a pretty fun scene. Yeah, you got Amy especially Winehouse since, in the back. Yep, and especially since this is like the fourth time we've seen it, and the the uh, like it, it it was interesting the first time they did it because there was a sing song quality to the violence, and then they ran that back, and now it's just like kind of really over the top. I I just mm-hmm. I really like the way that they've kind of played with this Groundhog's Day concept. Yeah, and how giving her like superpowers during it was was really cool. And she's trying to spare. You know, her friends in this, she sends the bartender away. She sends the new Clem upstairs right. uh, and and a bunch of other prostitutes there upstairs with a group of dudes. Right. So she's trying to, you know, minimize the damage to but people what she is cares that, about. That's, that was an interesting choice for me because what is she actually doing? She's saving what she knows as fake people with fake memories and fake relationships. But they're just like suffering. her. I mean. Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess that's true. They are just like her. Yeah. But, you know, even like, – like it seems like they address that in The Matrix where like the people that – like like there's a whole training sequence where Morpheus is like, yeah, people are going to die. Mm-hmm. But you got to understand they're already plugged into the system. They're part of it and they can be agents at any time. Like you'd think she would have some kind of philosophical justification for – or maybe she doesn't. Maybe she she needs Morpheus to come in and be like, look, Maeve. Yeah, they didn't focus they, on number one. You got to put you got to put your oxygen mask on first before you help any of the passengers, or you're going to black out. Her philosophical apperception still at like a two. <laughs> she she got to work on that. Well, and maybe but. also this is because you know she doesn't have all the answers. She kind of gets caught up in her own programming later on. So maybe mm-hmm. uh, maybe we're supposed to be noticing these things. The one thing I forgot to mention when they're in the lab and they were doing this Star Trek uh, medicine here. Right. The the people in this world, the the actual human beings, must only have scars by choice, right? Because we've seen some people with scars. You could Who? you could easily get the well. Haven't we seen that the man in black has a scar on his neck? Does Is that he? true? I'm pretty sure that's true. I think I remember seeing that. Oh, I think you're right, and that might be the scar that Maeve gave him. Right, that he's decided to keep. Yeah, you're but right. he always wears that scarf around it. Right, right. But I right. think we have seen it before. Yeah. Uh, he must keep that by choice, and, and maybe as a reminder. Probably, honestly. it sounds like it's a, a significant event to him. Yeah, uh, but he might not choose to keep a beauty mark removing scar. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, there's a there's a, and this goes into feedback, but there's a bolt. This is how silly this debate's getting. People oh, are boy. saying that the old, there's no way I can accept that the man in black is William because William, the actor playing William, has a beauty mark. Oh, that, has the yeah, sure. 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 I don't so, know. So, like, if you can remove stuff and not have any scars, then there's yours, yours, your in-universe answer. There you go. We go over to Ford, who asked Bernard uh, how he's dealing with the situation he's in, which is basically spelled out as knowing he's a machine and also knowing exactly how the machines work. Uh, Bernard doesn't understand his emotions and his backstory, and Ford declares him lifelike. Bernard wants to know the difference between... 
lifelike and alive, essentially, his pain and Ford's. And Ford says, consciousness doesn't exist, and humans live in loops exactly like Time hosts. is a flat circle. Right. Consciousness a whole bunch of bullshit, if mistake. you ask me. Uh, he tells Bernard not to think about his memories, and he wipes them for him. Yeah, if you want to hear me and Jim get into it, uh, go listen to the season one of True Detective Podcast. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I actually but found a lot incredibly of satisfying because he essentially grants the premise. There is nothing. There is no thing where you can be aha. Now you're alive, and now you're you know like it's 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 all academic and nothing really matters. And also consciousness isn't real. Um, all are and 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 then he he goes right back to Russ Cole's the whole nihilism thing. So mm-hmm. um, I, thought, I can't I can't imagine what he's even talking about when he says consciousness doesn't exist. Because we clearly perceive the things around us. I think he thinks, like, like exist and matter in, like, a universal sense. Like, there's no outside subjective thing saying, ah, yes, because you humans have developed consciousness now. I mean, was the universe not a re- real until we could perceive it as such? Well, I, mean, I, I would not argue that it, it... I would not argue necessarily that it doesn't matter. Or I wouldn't argue against that. I don't think ultimately in the universal cosmic sense... That our consciousness matters, no. but I think I think if you create is it real? Yeah, I think it exists. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm open to the idea if a megalomaniac creates consciousness, it would give him a skewed perspective on what consciousness is and how valuable it is. Cer- I just created it in a fucking lab, right? I, I'm saying I don't agree with his okay his uh, conclusions here, right. even though I fully understand why he might hold those those beliefs. Right. And again, if you want more, go listen to our season <laughs> one True Detective podcast. Right. Uh, but I, I certainly don't believe that humans live in these little loops in the way that he's talking about. N- certainly not in the way that the hosts do. Uh, yes, they do get stuck in patterns, but they're aware of those patterns a lot of the time. Uh, and they struggle actively struggle against them a lot of the time. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean... I mean, you can... You can sure. What, what are you going to say? I mean, I just like... I, I think that's true to an uncomfortable extent for a lot of people. Like I'm not mean to say a lot of people. Okay. Like in a lot of people, like you know the 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 saw of like uh, keep in mind that half the population is below average intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like if you and I think also you can make the same argument about people's self awareness uh, to the extent like you know, like imagine he's talking about like the cast of the Jersey Shore. Sure. That they're fucking screaming half naked on a table with their hair on fire. This is, you know, you're just you're a hater, and I'm just being. No, you're not. You're fucking stuck in this bizarre, crazy, self-destructive loop, and this is all you're ever going to be. And but then he takes that idea and extends it to the entirety of the human race. Yes. And that's by where the, meg- the that's, host. That's the megalomania kind of stepping right. in. You right. Know? <laughs> like, um. There's two reactions to that. One is like the one that I have is compassion because mm-hmm. like it could happen to any one of us and we're all just one bad day and combination of substance abuse and genetic defect away from fucking becoming one of these people stuck in a loop that you can't get out of. Like, sure. And then, you know, there's a Ford approach, which is, but I'm the evolved being that's created all this. And so that I can start just fucking around willy nilly. And by his um, own admission, that would make him a mistake. Yes. you know (laughs) and he would say it doesn't matter because the universe doesn't give a shit and neither do I bang so (laughs) (laughs) and then he eats your liver paired with the nice Chianti but the most important thing that happens in this scene is that he says this is the very question that consumed Arnold which was the idea of the difference between humans and hosts and the pain that they feel making them either lifelike or straight up alive that was the thing that Arnold uh, was Which consumed I, by. 
I mean, that's what's wrong with Doctor Ford that that didn't trouble him. Uh, he just doesn't care. Like I, I mean, nah, but there's some there's some really or under, he craves like, like control this, so much and power so much that he he's willing to overlook. I don't that. buy it because uh, I, 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 the only reason is because Anthony Hopkins had tears in his eyes when he's talking about Dolores and whether they were friends or not and all. Like there's there's some trauma here that like this he okay. wasn't. He wasn't born a megalomaniac um, nihilist. I think he became one, much like Russ Cole. You know, sure, that's uh, possible. With the, I don't know whether it was the no, it was a Marty that had the microwave baby, but you know they they both had horrific experiences. I think. Uh, oh yeah, Russ is with his daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, something that transforms a, a functioning, uh, optimistic person into this kind of nihilistic uh, rage against the ma- machine or universe kind of person, and mm-hmm. that's. I think what we're going to get in either the end of the season or maybe seasons to come could be. So Dolores takes William through uh, the series of rocks, rock formations here. When they come out the other side, she sees a town and says, I'm did, home. Did we talk about Bernard killing Elsie? Uh, oh, that small flashback. Was that actually Elsie? I couldn't tell. It was Elsie. But my question is, did mm-hmm. he really kill her? Or was that memory implanted? Or did he, because Elsie's a sharp, sharp pretty sharp tack okay um pretty smart cookie mm-hmm. uh she is quite possibly the sharpest tool in the tool shed okay. if anyone could get out of um and a host attacking her like if anyone would know the like secret command codes or whatever is like is a possibility that the reason that we got such a brief glimpse of it is that there's more to that story that she somehow commanded the, uh, got uh, bernard to back down or Somehow, Ren, they've come up with some super secret plan to thwart Thor Ford. Oof. Well, good luck. No, yeah, right. <laughs> good yeah. luck, Sylvester. Good luck, Bernard. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's possible. And then that she shut down dead. and stared right at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I just because I just the, the the brevity of it and the fact that it's still like a pretty major character to get an off screen death. Yeah. Um, has my conspiracy theorist tinfoil hat twitching. Okay. Why did Dr. Ford lie to Bernard as he's wiping his memory? What's the point? He says, did you ever make me hurt anyone before? No, of course not. Practice? I don't know. <laughs> he wants to practice lying. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm, I, have to, I have to lie to you regularly, Bernard. It's yeah. always nice to kind of you know brush up on it. I don't know. That's a fair question. Is, is that, serves so no purpose, The, the reason really. I ask is like it's because there's this big theory about Dr. Ford being a host. And one of the things Bernard said to hosts too is they talk even when there's no point to it because it's like I I don't know I'm really reaching right because they're they're trying to learn how to be more human right That's the and when you said that I'm like oh is that like some kind of half-assed fever brain you know theory that that uh, Oof, wants a know. host he could be he could everybody's be. a host man yeah why not so Dolores is home uh, where it's apparently this old town with the church in it. She goes she goes over to it and her clothes change and she sees a bunch of bots being trained. The the little girl who seems to be prescient comes up to her and asks if she found what she's looking for. Suddenly shots ring out and people are killed. She sees herself holding a gun to her head and in the present um William stops her from killing herself right there by the river or in by the, the town. present? In the present? Well, yeah. In what we're led to believe is the present. When when are we? Is this now? Am I going mad? Right. She wonders aloud if she's if he's real and when this is all happening. She says, this is what Arnold wants, and William takes her out of there. They walk for a while and eventually encounter Logan with some soldiers. He says, you're fucked. You are so mm-hmm. fucked. Mm-hmm. Return of the jerk-off. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I can't 
ever since I saw this theory on Reddit, and it was a short one, um, and it was supported by dubious information at best. I can't get it out of my head. What theory? I think Wyatt is Arnold. I think Wyatt is literally Arnold. Oh, yeah, uh, a, re- a and, retelling of the Arnold legend. Right. And that Arnold was, you know, this Wyatt character in the first instance of this happening. Dolores killed him. Because if you look at the scene, it does appear that Dolores, before she turns the gun on herself, has shot someone. Well, and also and it she's makes sense. shot kind of in the direction of the where the Wyatt character would be coming from. What about Ted? How does Teddy fit in there? I don't know. I mean, Teddy could just be an iPod or upload, but uh, uh-huh. it does seem like that their characters are kind of faded. Mm-hmm. Um, and also that he was in, in some of the flashbacks we've seen looked like he was helping Wyatt. Yeah. So I, I, and also we know that Teddy has got the capability of waking up from his, uh, his, uh, deep and dreamless slumber. So mm-hmm. I don't know that that's lots of puzzles are coming into, uh, more focus and are, are snapping into place, but still they're doing a really good job they are. of keeping me from just completely figuring everything out. Eight episodes in. Yeah. Uh, another thing, you know, that's conspicuous about Wyatt and how he might be Arnold is that Ford would definitely describe Arnold as having some strange ideas. Sure. And he has described, uh, that's how Wyatt and, is and, described. And, and the dispute of who owns the world. Right. Very thematic. And of, being of willing a, to raise it. Arnold conversation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. So it's interesting. And I wanted to, you know, take a little time here to talk about the reverse trace decay with Dolores, how it's not even necessarily that the things don't have this trace decay, but they're happening in reverse. She's remembering more as mm-hmm. she goes. Mm-hmm. His memories are becoming clearer with time. Right. Uh, it's well, kind, of, kind of interesting. Retracing your path, you know, this deja vu kind of phenomenon. I, I could see how this would all kind of work. Yeah, there. And I, li- I like it thematically for the show. It makes a lot of sense. And then we go to Hale and Lee, who don't make a lot of sense together, but they're down in cold storage, and they decide we're going to revive Peter Abernathy, and we're going to sneak him out of the park with a bunch of data inside his noggin. And guess who's in charge of making him believable enough to escape? It's Lee. It's Lee, Lee himself. Orbus, uh, Lee Sizemore. Orbus. Question. So I'm I'm the guy who's always uh, put off by convenient coincidences. Okay. Out of all these fucking corpse bots, mm-hmm. they pick Abernathy. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's a bit of a coincidence. Now, as I'm saying that, in the back of my mind, is like, well, it kind of makes sense because he's probably the least... And he was, in fact, the least grody looking. That's true. So maybe it's like yeah. he's like she's just going to try to find the freshest, freshest face. That would make sense. But it did bother me a little bit that, you know, and it's a good thing, I guess, they did make them all kind of zombie or like they're not so fresh or the coolant system's not functioning because, yeah. oh boy, if they all looked like they were fresh as daisies and she just plucked him out of the field, I'd be like, what the fuck? That does make sense, yeah. You're, they're down there searching with the flashlight for a while. Right. They don't just kind of go directly to him and say, right. here's the one we picked. Right. I wish they, I, I man, just a, just a single line of dialogue where it's like, you know, she's like, let's pick the freshest one or let's pick the one that has right. it. Or it, like said, like, oh, it stinks down here. It's like, yeah, let's pick, I, I don't know, something. Something yeah. to help me out here because I... I'm I'm really got a uh, got a bicameral mind about this the scene. I really want to bitch about her homing into this one dude, but this is going to be a shitstorm of epic proportions. I can't wait. Jack this dude's brain full of 35 years of host data. Uh huh. 
and, and then put him a story and... with Lee behind it inside oh, him. God. It's going to be glorious. I hope it fucks up as colossally as possible. And it's gonna. It will. It's gonna. This is the this is the <laughs> mule that you're going to use to smuggle the day. Oh man. Oh yeah. god. I was cackling at what a preposterously <laughs> bad idea this is, and unbeknownst to them. Right. Right. Uh, so now there are two bots trying to get out of the park with the aid of human beings. Do you think one of them is going to succeed? Yes. And it's not going to be Peter Abernathy. <laughs> it's going to be Maeve. I don't know. I actually think that, that really? it might be reversal that Maeve uh, gets uh, taken down and uh, Abernathy gets out. Or um, Could be. I don't know, because you're right. If this if the park data gets out, then Ford's done for, right? I would think so, yeah. Maybe none of the hosts get out. Like well, that... I, how much... Huh. Or none of these hosts get out, and we find out that he ends up killing Hale and replacing her with... A, I mean, like... I, yeah, maybe he's building a hail because we were wondering who he's building in that lab down there. I'm trying to think, and they're further along. Like I noticed, yeah. that the body is noticeably more complete, um, mm-hmm. and I, so I think that it's going to be significant whoever pops out of that chamber. And it's it, be- believe it, it's a fucking plot device that that thing is slower than the the modern units. It's a fucking ticking sure. time bomb. That's sure. what that is. It's a fuse, sure. folks. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. You can see the gears grinding on that one. <laughs> Uh, then we go over to Stubbs. So, uh, yep. Before we move on, would it be unsatisfying for Maeve to be spending all season trying to get out of this just to be cut down at the gates? Or at, like essentially none of the hosts that look like they're on a trajectory getting out to not get out? Uh, depending on how it happens, it could be or it might not be. Because I almost think that Maeve is maybe a false... Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a red herring that like really to distract us from the fact that this is still really about Dolores right. and Arnold and Ford. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if, if the final moments of season, all the robots get foiled. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but, but then we, we focus in on whatever's going on with Dolores. Yeah. So what presumably Abernathy has this exploding spine as well. Yeah. Sure. They're gonna have to modify that. And that requires a complete rebuild, which right. I interpreted as like literally going back into the Matrix machine and getting dunked in the milk and all that stuff. Yeah, like you know, surely, I mean, Hale and Lee can't make that happen without someone noticing. Maybe that's the th- the joke that they don't know that <laughs> he's just gonna he's gonna get out, but then he's like, gonna why explode. would the writer why would the head writer know about that technology? And would she necessarily know about it either? I mean, I. You're you're right. Probably. How do you get this guy to pass as human and then to walk out and not have his spine? Now, she said put him on the train and get him out of the park. That doesn't mean you're still in the Dalo system. So maybe she just needs to get him to the lobby so she can get the data and then make out. You know, like like there's because you got to think there's probably places where people can email. Like like you know, going into Westworld, yes, you can't use your cell phone and your camera and all that right. system. But surely in like the lobby. Yeah. You can you got free Wi-Fi, right? Maybe she just needs to get him to the gates. I don't know when their spines explode because obviously you have hosts all throughout the right. lobby area, right? Yeah, you would, so, of course. So maybe they, she just needs to get him there where Doctor Ford's controls. But then again, if you, this seems like a trivial operation, like I, you're right. I I, right. I, I don't know. I, I hope they explain that a little bit more because. Uh, right now, it seems like they're in a rock and a hard place. Either the hosts being out in the lobby is a dangerous thing, in which case, what the fuck? There's tons of hosts all over the place. Um, <laughs> right. Or their spines are going to explode. I don't mm-hmm. know. Okay, let's move on to uh, Stubbs telling Bernard that he's glad he's back. Uh, also, I know about Teresa and your relationship. Uh, he also asks about Elsie, but Bernard gives him nothing on either of those fronts. 
I, I'm having a real hard time with Stubbs. Why? Clearly, he's a host. Because number one, he's the. We know. We all know he's the lesser Hemsworth. But I realized in this episode that he bears a striking resemblance to Jabba the Hutt. As a matter of fact, I'm calling him Jabba the Stubbs now. What the fuck are you he's talking got, about? He's got some eye stuff happening. He's got some face stuff happening, and I can't not see it anymore. Uh, you're going to have to do some some image manipulation, my friend, because I'm not, I'm not seeing it. Oh, you'll see it. Okay. They'll now be in your head, and you'll uh, see it. Soon I'll learn to appreciate his ways. You will. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, and I also don't know how much i don't know what what suspicion level he is because again mm-hmm. a guy like i could see a guy like uh, bernard doing the flat denial just because he doesn't want to talk about it like right like step off man you're stubs and i don't really like you and just mm-hmm. stop trying to debond with me um but clearly he's going to be suspicious elsie i mean she's gotta if unless she's dead she's got to come back oh she's on leave because that's exactly how long it takes to get a robot whipped up in his lab <laughs> Interesting. Because else, why go with the leave explanation if you know that she's just never going to come back? That's going to be fishy. But if you got, if it takes you six to that seven, that makes a lot of sense, actually. So I mean, that she was one of the the Teresa's dead. So, mm-hmm. so some people are speculating they're going to try to refab her. But the other prime suspect was remaking an Elsie. So makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Teddy tries to get to know the man in black by punching some answers out of him. The man in black says the rules of this world are holding Teddy back, but he can change them. And he claims he was a good guy until his wife died and his daughter disowned him, at which point he decided to come back to Westworld to see if he could be as big of a dickhole as his daughter thought he could. Uh, He reveals that the murder of Maeve and her daughter was the dickhole test, and he passed with flying colors. Also, Maeve was alive, and that's when he discovered the maze. Um, I mean, they're leaning heavily on a lot of social norms here to make this his wife's suicide make sense. But to me, she just sounds like a crazy woman. What are the social like she, norms? She, leaning, she, like the fact on? that, um, you know, a woman just wouldn't understand the guy going to a place and shooting up a bunch of cowboys in a video oh. game. Or like if you want to like 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 if your wife came downstairs, you're playing Grand Theft Auto and you're. Haven't you? You're playing the hot coffee thing, and you're having sex with a hooker. That she'd be like, "You're cheating on." Like, yeah, it's silly to me. Like, I know there's people like that that exist, mm-hmm. but I'll never understand it in a million years. And I'm like, kind of arms crossed, eyes narrowed, lips pursed as he's describing. Because I'm like, look, man, your wife needed therapy. You guys needed like some some serious couples therapy because that is some uptight shit. The fact that you're well, maybe she got it and she took the wrong pills, like he said. I mean, you know, not the wrong pills. Maybe she took. Something she knew was going to be uh, yeah fatal yeah but you know what I'm saying like but that's she just... seemed like she might have been on some kind of antidepressant or something like that I, I just they're wanting me to buy into this worldview that I just I guess I just don't like uh, oh I don't buy into the idea that things you do in video games reflect who you are but the fact that that would core. actually keep I mean again this is a very I'm open to the idea this is a very realistic video game that very well might make you Maybe. turn into some kind of hidden monster in the real world it just felt a little little thin and 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 Ed Harris using all of his powers to kind of sell it helped but I still got a little bit like man I just but you know and it was only the reveal that this wasn't actually a game that made the man in black realize how evil he was but if the man in black actions. is literally William, uh-huh. 
what the hell is he talking about? Because he got a glimpse of the game way before Maeve. I mean, I guess this is the biggest evidence against the man in black being Good William. Point. Yeah. Because his experience with Dolores should have peeled the maze way the fuck back. Mm-hmm. Um, and the language he uses is very much like, a year ago this happened and I did this as a test and the maze revealed itself to me. Motherfucker, the maze revealed itself to you 30 years ago too. Yeah. So cram the two timelines right up your ass. <laughs> I mean, maybe he had a similar experience 30 years ago and he just didn't realize that there was some bigger meaning behind it, some bigger game, as he calls it. It could be that Dolores ends up betraying him. Uh, or the other way around, honestly. Like, he either way. her. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Dolores is going to do something that I don't know that William would agree with, right? It seems like they're setting up Logan's going to, like, the very first thing Logan's going to get down to is torture her in front of William just to fuck with him, right? Could be, yeah. Um, I mean, that's what I'm expecting, some some really some really dark, depraved shit from, from Logan's uh, in next episode. Yeah. Uh, my new operating theory is that Sylvester is the man in black <laughs> because they both have scars on their neck now. Sure. Yeah, uh, makes total sense. Yeah, that's where I'm going. Uh, the other thing is, like, did Maeve literally slit his throat, like, wide open? How did he not die? It doesn't seem like it. It seems like it might have been one of those don't-kill-human-being protocols. So... Like, she nicked him, but right. not anywhere vital. And not it, anywhere, not even as bad as Sylvester? Yeah. Then why does he have the big scar on his neck? I don't know. I mean, he clearly had blood on his neck uh, in this scene. Yeah, I just wonder just if not she a ton really opened him up and somehow... Because uh, clearly the you know emergency response team were all over this and had restrained Maeve and, and all that good stuff, so I wonder if they, yeah. he had to actually be saved from bleeding out. I don't um, know. Could be. Yeah. So we go to Maeve, who is in the streets of Sweetwater, and there is a group of techs hunting her. Stubbs, underling, sends a tactical team out to grab her, and then we flash back to Maeve in the lab after her daughter's death. Ford uses some mystic mojo to calm her down by playing music and decides to take her memory of the situation Is that a musical piece that the, um, the, the student of music sent us last week about the, that, that's literally called Reverie? Ah, okay. Um, instead of, you know, losing this memory, she kills herself. Or maybe after losing this memory. It's impossible to know because yeah. it doesn't seem like it took it took effect. I mean, yeah. clearly Ford does it. We see the progress bar ticking up, erasing memory. But again, she fights, like, she fights through several different layers of control, which I thought was interesting. Right. And the old trick from an old friend that he's talking about Bernard, right? Or, pff, God damn it, Arnold. Arnold yep. Which probably means Bernard. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting because he... He has this this backup plan, you know, like his control mechanisms are not working either, mm-hmm. but he does have this backup plan. I wonder if this, if somehow this control mechanism of the music is the basis for a lot of the control he has, you know, in the modern park. Maybe. I don't know. Because he seems to have control. Uh, maybe it's how he controls Bernard in some way. Yeah. I'm not sure. He definitely has many forms of control. Reminding him yeah. about his past is a form of control. Reminding him how long he's been here is a control. Um, and I think I, that's the thing. Like, I'm starting to really buy into his Bernard equals Arnold theory, too, because, you know, the way that Anthony Hopkins says with a twinkle in his eye, it's like, were you with us back then, Bernard? Like, why would he say that if unless he was to some extent mm-hmm. from a certain point of view? 
I mean, I guess yeah, I'm, I'm the classic theorist who's like, why? What else? Yeah. What other meaning than validating the theory that I believe could this right. could this line of dialogue it's have? A litany of them. Sure. Uh, one thing he says: this pain is all I have left of her. Uh, that's what Maeve says about her daughter. This is something that has been repeated through the show a couple of other times. You know, Bernard says it about his son. Dolores says it about her parents. Uh, implies these are it, all plots that are from Ford. Right, it feels like something that's programmed into them mm-hmm. um, as a response to the pain. Uh, I don't know. Cer- certainly this is a flashback, though. We know that this is about a year ago yep. when this happened because all of her clothes are changed, the baby's a thing, Man in Black a year ago did this, we know. Yep. Uh, so we get some context for the time there. And then the tactical team finds Maeve and moves in to get her. And the Man in Black tells Teddy he's trying to get to the maze to give both of their lives what, what's meaning. What's Maeve going to do here? Do you expect her to, like, slash her way out, or is she just kind of yeah, busted now? I, I do expect her to at least try to kill these fools. Yeah. Because why not? Uh, and the man in black is going to give their lives meaning even if it kills them. And Teddy pulls his gun and tries to kill the man in black, but he can't for some reason. So you we think Wyatt is Arnold. Uh-huh. And the man in black says the best thing Wyatt is the only way to unlock the maze. Is that evidence of Ford kind of rewriting history that, like, you know, the, or not even rewriting, that, like, you have to do what he did. You have to defeat his nemesis. Right. I don't know. To gain access to it. And, again, also, if it's four robots and not humans, what does that mean? Yeah, I'm not sure. Is this really uh, and, Arnold's and game not... or is this Ford's game? In a, I, I, I'm very curious to see how this plays out. We only got two more weeks to, let the, to wait, assuming they're going to wrap this part of the thing up in this season right and i'm also not certain that Wyatt is arnold not by a long shot no 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 no. it just seems like there are clues there yep uh, and it's interesting sure um and the woman they rescued stabs teddy in the shoulder and reveals hey i'm an agent of wyatt and wyatt's guys appear from the woods why can't why can't teddy kill him you Uh, think it's his programming or do you think he doesn't want to no i think it's his programming he he hasn't he hasn't that uh evolved yet um now yeah Elon's ex-wife stabbing Teddy with an arrow and saying you've been gone a long time and White needs back in a fold. That's all super interesting. Mm-hmm. And how much of that is, again, history unrolling again and how much of it is the iTab, you know, the, the, the tablet upload? I, I don't know. Uh, also, is the Man in Black fucked now? Uh, no, I view man. this as a progression of his quest. He now is going to get but this direct quest, access to Wyatt. him? Right, I, I'd be mad. But Teddy's also going to be there for the ride. Yeah, like, I he's guess. not dead. I mean, he got stabbed in the shoulder with an arrow. Big deal. It's like it's so. It's just interesting. It'd be like if uh, you know a dog accidentally goes on a quest for a person. Like, what are they going to get out of it? You yeah, know, this guy is a human going through a quest meant for a robot. Um, what's he going to get out of it? I don't know. We'll probably see. Yeah, probably see in a couple weeks. That's it. Hey, before we get to the feedback, actually, I need to take a moment and tell you about how you can support Bald Move because we are largely uh, supported entirely by our generous uh, listeners. Largely entirely. That's like a like, partial zero emission vehicle right there. <laughs> that sounds like some serious bullshit. For the most part, the bulk of our apperception comes from our fans giving us money. And uh, you can get something out of that. Uh, monetary expenditure by joining the club at club.baldmove.com 
where you can sign up for the club and you get a bunch of bonus features. You get ad-free feeds. You get VIP access to the forums. Uh, a lot of uh, bonus content that you can only get on our uh, ad or on our um, on our, our member only feeds, and you can get the whole the whole spiel and the whole pitch at club.baldmove.com. Uh, if that doesn't sound like it's up your alley, there's a lot of other ways to support us, including just straight up donation for nothing, and you can find all those at support.baldmove.com. Either way, the reality is uh, we couldn't do it without people's generous support. If you value our independent podcast and you value the insight and the the podcast that we bang out on a, a weekly basis, uh, please consider supporting us somehow at support.baldmove.com. Shall we get to feedback then? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, Raul R. Uh, by the way, you can send feedback to westworld at baldmove.com, and also you can discuss theories and whatnot with your fellow fans at... Uh, forums.baldmove.com. Uh, Raul R. So when you guys are discussing the stupidity of the tech, Sylvester and Felix, I always think of the story of Lisa Nowak. Uh, if you recall, she's an astronaut who put on a diaper so she wouldn't have to take bathroom breaks on her cross-country way to kill uh, her her ex-boyfriend's new lover. A fucking astronaut right. Right. comes up with this plan. Sometimes otherwise smart people do some stupid shit. I found that compelling because if you recall, then not only did she wear adult diapers... She intended to take this do this hostage situation armed with a BB gun, pepper spray, and then like a lot darker shit. There was plastic trash bags and cord and cutting implements, and like it was going to get some some gruesome shit. And again, this is an astronaut, which implies that she's probably a PhD of something. She actually rode on the space shuttle at least once. Um, mm-hmm. Very very smart person, driven intelligent but came up with a batshit crazy idea when the chips were down does that change your mind about sylvester felix at all not really (laughs) so just not okay moving on dave b i'm currently listening to episode 107 thinking about ford's narrative i see a connection to milton's paradise lost in milton's poem gabriel confronts satan in the garden of eden and tells him that he can always go back to god and ask for forgiveness gabriel explains that god would forgive him and satan would no longer be a fallen angel satan says alas he cannot go back because he cannot leave those in hell and even if he is granted forgiveness he will always be second place to god the reader then realizes that satan is forever in his own personal hell because he can never be god all satan has are his followers in hell and all he has is corrupting the garden in a sense satan's corruption of the garden of eden is a false victory because, again, he'll never achieve his goal of being God. Ford's narrative mirrors this battle. Ford can control all the hosts and create his own world. Ford's narrative is the final battleground for his vision. However, Arnold is ever-present, and the hosts see Arnold as the God figure. In this sense, Ford is Satan, and that no matter how much control he has, he can never be Arnold. And a a good number of his pieces of dialogue kind of reflect that duality. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Raul, not Raul, I'm sorry. Uh, Dave continues, I see Ford's narrative as an attempt to bring Arnold out and settle this conflict once and for all. Ford gives free will lip service. In a sense, Ford is cool with free will as long as the host do what he says. Arnold, on the other hand, believed in total free will to the point where he wanted to blow up the park. No matter how many people Ford kills and no matter what narrative he has, hosts will develop free will and Ford will never reach the level of control he desires. I thought this was a pretty cool analysis. Um... Also, the idea this this I guess makes the most sense that Ford is constructing a narrative that draw if, if you buy in that Arnold is somehow lurking in the code mm-hmm. that he's going to draw him out once and for all and do battle essentially like an Armageddon for the souls of the people of, of the hosts living in the park. 
Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how much of this problem is created by Ford himself. I mean, the the hubris of this guy, thinking I can make these bots as lifelike as I want to and ever more lifelike, Yeah, and yet I can still maintain the control that I have over them. That, to me, is just fundamentally flawed reasoning. When for millennia, humans have shown that they cannot be controlled. Short term, sure. sure. But long term, it's always going to get away from you. Because he has the power to shut all these bots down, remove the reverie code, and stick them back to the way they were before this shit started happening. He just chooses not to do it because he wants to have control over ever more lifelike beings. Mm -hmm. And at some point, that genie just gets out of the bottle, man. Right. Uh, so Ryan Jason in a kind of a bombshell that went in uh, through the office last week. When you guys were talking about the evidence of Bernard and Arnold and the picture that Ford passes off as Arnold, no one brought up that I remember one piece of evidence I think it makes it much more likely. I realize that Ford conservatively twists truth, but he showed Bernard the photo of Arnold that we now know was his robot father. Mm-hmm. Ford also told us that Arnold gave him his robot family as a gift. So wouldn't it make sense that the picture would be whenever Arnold gave him the gift that both people would be in the picture with the gift, all three people together? The picture also, if you look at it, looks like there's a space to the left side that would perfectly fit a third person. And it seems odd that there are yeah, only didn't two. Didn't we talk about this? No, we didn't. We, we, we did. We talked about this um, off air, I believe. Oh. Because uh, this hmm. came in after we recorded the podcast. Okay. Uh, so if I did, Could I apologize. Sworn we talked about this in the last episode, but but anyway, if you look at the if you look at the picture that he shows, there's three men and a space where a third person could fit. Third. And in fact, it's a weird framing if it it isn't like this. And now that we know Bernard's a host and he filters out things that he can't see, right? The 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 uh, story goes that you see um, Doctor Ford, his father, and Bernard or Arnold, who is going to turn out looks like uh, Bernard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, could be. And I think that's probably, like, now that I see it, it seems very obvious. Yeah. Uh, Neil D. says, not sure if you've uh, had this email to you yet, but working on a different theory. Uh, I came across a scene, I believe, in the episode which William and Logan come to the park where Maeve was about to be recalled and Elsie saved her by char- changing some of her different perceptions. Uh but could this be what Sylvester and Felix saw in her profile? So Neil's speculating that the high-level access that altered the person's hmm. perceptions was Elsie. I don't think so, because Elsie doesn't seem like she has particularly high-level access. Like, like not shit-your-pants access. She has middle-level behavior okay, manager fair. access. And she's also adjusting things by 0.5%, you know? Yeah. This is stuff that, like, a, a meat technician, or the butchers, uh, jump out at them as, like, not only extraordinarily high-level access, but, like concerning changes to a host yeah didn't didn't somebody else jack with her settings qa did sure yeah i so definitely it could have don't been... think the qa had oh my god shit your pants this is bad access it depends on who in qa it is i mean teresa would yeah but this wasn't teresa we saw it's just no name tech you know diagnosing oh, right. essentially yeah. host complaints about her being right too you know not pushy enough or too pushy or, or actually they're addressing the fact that she just hasn't been fucked as much as lately mm-hmm. like you know they need to they need to up her up so i don't know i like i said i'm I, i'm not saying you're wrong neil i'm just saying that i don't think elsie's slight changes with her mid-level access would be something that sylvester would be like oh my god holy shit could be wrong though 
Mary B. says, in regards to the man in black as an older William theory, in the show we've seen young Ford played by CGI Anthony Hopkins. If the theory holds that the show is playing by its own rules, shouldn't the young man in black be played by CGI Ed Harris? <laughs> you would you think so. Are and this is if you're if so if the man in black equals Williams theory, one of the things I think people can say rightly that was unfair is that you if you use the thing where you very convincingly and eerily de-age Anthony Hopkins mm-hmm. to have a flashback, then you're just fucking with us to recast a different actor. Yeah. I mean I think that's unless you say it would be too expensive, which I buy. But then don't that's don't a little CGI unfair. Anthony Hopkins. Right? Yeah, you find some you know forty year old British guy that kind of looks sort of like him, like they did with, with his a child. conspicuous facial mole, and and do that. Like I, yeah, th- that that's the other problem. I guess I have the man in black equals William theory right now. So uh, anyway. Uh, Chelsea from Vancouver. I've been wondering how long William is ultimately supposed to be staying in Westworld. Do we know how long Logan planned for them to be on this trip? Three days, a week maybe? Because it seems like they've been there for a few days and the side journey with Dolores has been taking a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, this led me to wondering what happens when a guest stays in a park longer than they're supposed to. Does Westworld just keep charging 40 Gs to the Visa account on file? Since Logan set this up and was spectacularly ditched, my guess is that he won't keep bankrolling William's magical mystery tour. Curious to know what Westworld Command Center does when a guest goes rogue and has a bill to pay. They definitely seem concerned enough with their assets and bottom line that they wouldn't be cool with guests overstaying their welcome and keeping hosts away from their loops. I mean, you're not allowed to stay in Disneyland longer than three days if that's the max pass you bought, right? Uh, I think it'll be awesome to see William get extracted from the park just as his fun times with Dolores start to ramp up into something really intense. Especially if that happens in the finale, it would totally mirror the powerlessness viewers feel when a season ends and we're left with no choice but to be patient. I think the answer here is you can stay in Disneyland as long as you want if you don't get caught. (laughs) Like, you go to an amusement park, there's no saying how long you've been in there. You just got to sleep there. You got to eat there. You got to... It's a lot lot harder to hide, though, when Mm -hmm. every single creature, great and small, with the exception of houseflies, is sentient and can see and track you. Right. Um, Oh! but So let's remember, Logan... And William are here potentially on an investment deal. They might not have a time limit. Uh, they might have also paid for several weeks. I mean, you can go up to 28 days. They haven't been in that long. Right. Not even close to it yet. But I, I, I like the point. And then and if this is a – you're intending to make a prediction, I'm not sure. But I think it actually would be kind of cool and thematic, Chelsea, if – uh, in the middle, like right as you get to the the end of the, ma- the the maze mystery, the first iteration of it here, Dolores, he gets recalled because they're out of money. <laughs> like, right? Like that would kind of like they do kind of do meta with the storytelling and the frustration that you feel when the season ends and like, oh, my God, it's a fucking cliffhanger. What's going to happen next? And you don't know. And next time you come back, Dolores is off her loop and she's like, you, you, that would be a lot more compelling and funny and interesting than the fact that your wife offed herself after 30 years because she couldn't handle your how much video game you're playing essentially um yeah i i don't i don't go to television shows to be frustrated uh-huh it's not really one of the emotions i'm looking to feel sometimes you sometimes you do though not uh, that would be extraordinarily frustrating for me hmm. To have a story end due to some meta park detail. 
By the way, now that we're talking about all creatures great and small, I the other piece of evidence that no one emailed me, uh, and I just now got my memory jogged, is of the two timelines theory. Is the the claim is made, and I did verify it by watching this episode that when we see mass piles of bodies in William's timeline, there's a complete absence of flies buzzing around. When we see a mass of dead bodies in Man in Black's timeline, there's always like flies everywhere. The noise of flies, flies buzzing around, and people are speculating this is this is proof because in the old clockwork mechanism, there was nothing. You know, when a dead body was a there was nothing organic for them to feast upon. Right. In the present day, the dead bodies attract flies and that become a problem because now you've got all this organic shit rotting. Right. That's pretty fucking convincing. And mm-hmm. it's also, like I said, I went back and watched it and this, I didn't go back the entire season, but this, this season or this episode particularly, that was strict. Every time William found a dead body, no flies. When, when Teddy and man in black roll up on dead bodies, flies from hell to breakfast. Yeah, I mean, it's becoming more and more convincing, the argument that, or the case for William being the man in black. I mean, the the other thing he says here is, you know, when he talks about his wife, he, in an offhanded comment, says 30 years of marriage down the drain. We know that William is poised to be married as soon as he leaves this park, essentially. That would put him right at 30 oh, years. Now, like, it would make sense that your spouse was put off when you come back from, you know, where you've mutually agreed not to fuck the host and you done, done fuck the host. Sure, like, yeah. That, like, like I, you know. That might cause some damage. If you fucking just lied. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with going to a strip club. But if you tell your wife you're not going to a strip club and you go to a strip club, <laughs> you're done fucked up. Right. Yeah. You're done fucked up. So, and you can't argue your way out of the fact that, like, you lied, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to go to a strip club, then fucking say you're going to go to a strip club and deal with the consequences. Don't fucking deceive another adult being. Sure. Anyway. there's My all- point is, though, the 30 years kind of links them. Yes. with the, Especially with the marriage. And thing. that you're right, and that does take a lot of, like, my kind of, I guess, apathy towards her perspective, because if he has kind of been this person that loses himself in the game to the extent that he forgets the promises he makes or what is really important to him and yeah and, and comes and like, back changed i mean he professed I, his love and said this is the real world like yeah and i that's what i'm saying like i guess if if the betrayal is that complete it's not yeah. just like i'm trying to play video games with my 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 guy friends damn right it's more like you get the creeping sensation that this is the world that he values and what's important and i'm just the thing that he does to yeah. be the part he's playing on the outside I, I, you know, I don't know. If and then if he's suicide. continually going back to that place, right? Then every time he goes, it's like, what is he doing? What is he doing outside? You're fucking Dolores again, aren't you? Yeah, I know you had. Yeah, how could you ever get that out of your head? Right. So hmm. sure. All right, I've, I've done a violent 180. I'm back on. Mrs. But it, it's Mrs. Man in Black side again. It's not conclusive proof. It's yet no. another piece of evidence on the pile. But the pile is mounting now. Pile's mounting as high yeah. as a bunch of dead bodies covered in flies. Yep. Uh, Ollie from the UK. So when Bernard spoke to his wife about the pain and whether he would have things be different, and then Dolores said exactly the same thing, it's a very significant hint that both are backstories written by Ford. It's enforced by the fact that Bernard largely ignored it despite the words being exactly the same. It's funny because we did – I remember when we did this podcast, we jumped on that fact like, oh, shit. He wanted to know if that was something originally written because it was so heavily inf- – uh, it was so much the same as stuff that he had expressed – and we're like, oh, it's just a way of her ingratiating. But now that makes sense that, like, Ford keeps going to the this particular well in yeah. his writing. Yeah. And that's like, man, some seems like seemed a, like it was obvious in retrospect. To me, that, that feels like a shortcut that Lee might take. 
not a master like Ford, but yeah, but you know Ford's a master, but he does he's got a lot of shit to do. It's true. It's like you know, like isn't there? There's a widespread accusation that Leonardo da Vinci had some like under apprentices that did a lot of his work. Is under it his super? I think that's or maybe it's Michelangelo, hmm. uh, which makes sense. Like you know, you can only you know, did you literally hand paint the Sistine Chapel or did you kind of pencil it in and yeah, you know, or maybe it was Leonardo DiCaprio. Maybe it's Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, he hasn't aged in 20 years. That's suspicious. Yep. Sean McKay says, I was reading a post that linked the Minotaur cultist that Teddy uh, and the man in black killed the Theseus and the Minotaur. Uh, what with a guarding the maze and all. It seems like an unusual choice for a cultist, and it's starting to seem very like very little is simply thrown away on this show. Uh, so maybe there's something to the story. And he and he unpacks the uh, very neatly the story of Theseus and, and the maze. Says so the main characters are King Minos or Minos, the cruel king of Crete that keeps surrounding lands afraid and forces them to pay tribute in the form of sending the citizens as food for his Minotaur. Theseus, the prince of Athens, who volunteers to face the Minotaur to free his people from the threat. King Aegeus, Theseus' father, and uh, Aradne, daughter of King Minos or Minos, that helps Theseus escape the labyrinth. The reason for the Athenian tribute to King Minos varies. Some versions say as retaliation for King Minos' son being killed in Athens. Some say to squash rebellious thought. But either way, Athens is stuck sending tribute to Crete in the form of people to be fed to the Minotaur. So Theseus volunteers as tribute, uh, you know, Hunger Games style, for one year, intending to slay the Minotaur and free his people. His father is distraught and begs him that if he does succeed, to paint his ship's sail white instead of its usual black, so they will know that he has been victorious once he sails back. Uh, why you couldn't just wait for the goddamn news once the ship yeah. docks, we'll never know. Anyway, Theseus lands in Crete and makes his intentions known. Uh, Aradne falls heads over heels for this guy and gives him a giant ball of string to lay out behind him, helping him to find his way back if he's successful. Uh, Theseus winds up killing the Minotaur and books it back out of the maze where he finds Aradne waiting, she, Radnades, that's also a, an order, a genus of spider, isn't it? Makes sense with the whole... I don't know. Making making some connections here. Mm. Uh, she says that she must take him with her since her father would kill her for helping Theseus. They set sail and she begins talking about how wonderful it will be once they're back in Athens and married. At this point, Theseus realizes that that's her intention and he just isn't that into her. So like any <laughs> dumb young dude, he ditches her at the first port they stop at, leaving so quickly he forgets to oh. repaint his sail. His father, seeing the unpainted sail approaching and immediately leaps to his death out of the grief or out of grief without double checking or anything, which totally makes sense. Theseus returns and learns a very serious lesson about communication. <laughs> What's so funny is like all these classical stories we just rip apart if they Oh were, yeah. Like oh, what? Uh, that's what I was thinking. This is written by Lee. This is the <laughs> shittiest story I've ever heard. <laughs> Dude, dude just ditches his girl at a port and then father sees a black sail and kills himself? I think it's interesting to think of art as another form of technology. That it's not like people were idiots for using whale oil to light the streets. <laughs> right. It's the things that they had and like, you know, like it, a lot of this shit, like where they used to have the deus ex machina, that came mm-hmm. from like shit that they actually did. Like. Right. Don't know how to end this play. I know. Have the gods come down in the cloud and solve it all. Mm-hmm. Like, that shit seems primitive, and it is the same thing as when you watch silent movies or how theatrical some of the acting in the 30s and 40s were. Yeah. You know, th- this art does evolve like a, like a technology. Yeah. Even storytelling. 
Anyway, uh, I don't know if Theodore is meant to invoke Theseus or if any of this has anything to do with Westworld, but the Minotaur maze seems like a very cool connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, totally. Theodore and Theseus, I mean, those are all kind of, of a piece. And uh, the idea, the thing that really I thought was interesting is the fact that Theseus makes use of this woman to solve his quest and then discards her on returning to his quote-unquote real life. Yeah. I wonder if that's a little bit of what we've got in store for... Uh, William and uh, Dolores could be. Um, is Dolores going to abandon him, or is he going to demand, uh, abandon Dolores? Or is is Teddy the Theseus in this, and Dolores ends up abandoning him? Uh, I don't know. Uh, also, I was immediately reminded of the ship of Theseus paradox when thinking about the show. The ship that Theseus returns from Crete is left docked in a harbor as a rem- memorial for a very long time. Long enough that maintenance has been done to prevent any of it from rotting away. Over time, parts are replaced, and eventually, one by one, all the parts of the ship have been replaced due to wear. Is it still the same ship? Which, of course, sure, of course it is. This is something that in the first episode, you talk about Dolores right. being replaced so much that she's not even the same robot. Yeah. Um, I thought that was all really interesting, and I wish I'd known that connection earlier in the season, honestly. Right. Because um, I think we even talked about this, the ship of uh, the the Thessian ship and making a comparison to her. Maybe, but until the Can't Minotaur remember. shows up, how do you know? Like, right? You just say, "Oh, that's a maze." Oh, there's a story. I I do hope mazes that, however, this season ends that the butch like let's say this season does miss the mark a bit. Mm-hmm. I hope people don't come out with long knives for Nolan and enjoy because. I do think what they're doing is kind of incredible and ambitious as hell. So to weave all this mythology, like like it this is. has been stewing yeah. for a long time, um, and also making really smart use of the source material. Like um, I think this, I, like even if this is kind of a quote unquote failure, I'm still going to be on for the next season just because of how audacious it was and how kind of finely crafted. Even if it doesn't necessarily work, it's mm-hmm. still been really an amazing journey. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm like I'm enjoying the I'm enjoying <laughs> the journey a lot. But I think the one thing they do need to probably nail for me is this narrative that Ford is constructing. It needs to be something appropriately epic. Yes. Uh, appropriately important to the story. It can't just be a narrative for a narrative's sake. I kind of feel like it's going to be damn near biblical. Like right. it's going to be I, literally I the is. battle for the soul of this particular world and and how things move forward. In the future, I know. I, I, I feel that forces, way too, but it I think almost the feels like dark, hyping it. And I, yeah, but I mean, and I, I don't want to get overhyped and then be let down by my hype. I'm saying get hyped and then get let down. But if you get let down, remember the fact that 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 the the potential was there and 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 how hard it would be to to land this. Yeah. And also, this is kind of like. I mean, I'm talking about this like almost like it's the end of a series, right? Like this is the kind of things we talked about when uh, the yeah. Villigan was wrapping up Breaking Bad or the Wiener was wrapping up, uh, you know, Mad Men. Um, and this is his first fucking season yeah, of a novice showrunner. Um, anyway, I think it's – I think just keep that in mind when we when we bring out the long knives of disappointment. If, if we do. If, yeah. I mean, some people already brought them out cut their own throat they they, they mave style just like i'm that da- i'm done <laughs> uh jimmy uh it doesn't take away the pain of the memory right so jimmy has a, and i'm gonna indulge this because i've gotten several of these kind of theories and i kind of want to just you know it's like okay let's let's cons- consider it and then talk about like why we don't normally read this stuff but okay. 
He says, I don't think Westworld takes place on Mars or any other vastly unexplored frontier. Or I do think it takes place in another vastly unexplored frontier, the deep sea. Deep what? The deep sea. Here are the facts that back my theory. Oh, boy. Bioshock. Nolan claims that two of the greatest gaming influences in Westworld are Grand Theft Auto and Bioshock. Mm-hmm. We see certainly many elements of the original game at play with verbal cues awakening hosts. Would you kindly... Uh, by the way, spoilers for Bioshock. Okay. Uh, strange duality in the antagonist who ends up playing two characters and many other similarities. Yet there's also to be confirmed the bust of Sander Cohen in Ford's office. Bioshock's version of Ford is Andrew Ryan who builds a city at the bottom of the sea. That's obviously the most important connection here. Right. Uh, two, the cold storage has bothered me since the beginning. Why of all the tech and capital at the park's disposal would they not repair the damn freezer when they keep the majority where they keep their majority of the intellectual property? Simple. It's 86 stories below the waves, which would explain the cold temperature and leaks due to pressure. The compressor isn't out. The pressure is actually the thing causing the damage. But we know that's not true. Why? Because this thing is built into the side of a fucking mountain where there's no water to be seen, regardless well, of whether this entire installation is underwater or not. It could be those a false subflo- guy. No, I mean, we've seen where this thing is, like a, a wide shot of it. We see the top decks that are out. The pool party is happening yeah, yeah, up top. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think you've seen part of it, but I, I've seen interviews where Nolan says, like, this is 500 miles radius kind of area. Oh, okay. So, like, Fine. you haven't seen the whole thing. Let, let, let's continue. But cold storage, we know. We've seen the map of the facility, and we know that that's at the bottom of that Mesa facility, that Delos facility. Um, continuing on, on the show sister site Discovered Westworld, the producers have planted many Easter eggs in the fake privacy terms and conditions that I believe confirm my theory. Hmm. Uh, we talked about this in the second episode, I believe, but uh, guests may only stay 28 days in the park and must end their trip with a stay at the Mesa for quote-unquote decompression. Mm-hmm. Um, could this need for decompression confirm while the animals must also be robots because horses don't scuba? Uh, B, in the terms mentioned, if you're caught hiding or tend to steal any physical property from Westworld, then they hold the right to contact the authorities on the mainland. Okay. Hmm. Also, for the mind screw, we learned in a recent episode that Bernard's last name is Lowe. His damn name is Bernard Lowe. B. Lowe. <laughs> wow. So, okay, that thing. third one is a joke. Here's the but, thing. I, yeah. actually, I actually really like your theory, Jimmy. I could see this happening in some kind of oh, like you've got like a floating island and everything is below everything below the island is literally below and I, I like your interpretation the pressure failing and all that stuff. Here's the thing: it doesn't matter. I right. don't, I don't sure. think it's going to matter to the extent. Now maybe it will be like an island situation where right. they, this is face they off, escape where he west. gets out of the prison and he goes, "Oh shit, I'm, I'm in on the a middle fucking of the fucking rig. ocean." Yeah. Right. So like it could matter, but right now for the story they're telling, it doesn't matter, which is why. This is interesting, but potentially just trivia. Until uh, wait, Bernard Lowe is that an anagram of Sean Archer in any way? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. How There's about no Caster Troy? Cast- <laughs> uh, all right, Cheryl. It, it's fair. Like I'm, I don't want to shit all over his idea. I I disagree with the thing about the facility and the cold storage being underwater. I think it's inside this mountain, which may be in a facility that's underwater. That's what I'm saying. That's like imagine an island with like the stem that wrote that that anchors it to the seabed being like this big column of facility. Yeah, I don't I don't think that's what we saw visually on the screen. But regardless, I mean, the the other stuff in the terms of service could be interpreted that way. Certainly yeah, decompression and like yeah. the mainland that like that to me says like it's at least an island. Right. Right. Yes. Maybe they've taken over all of Australia and they're just calling that an island. 
the yeah. island of Australia. Could, now. could very well be. Sure. People have speculated that. Uh, Cheryl says, I get, okay, so Cheryl, I just want to give her credit for the fact that she's calling bullshit because Jimmy Simpson has a beauty mark and right. a mole. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, in the movie Awakenings, the boy that played the younger version of Robert De Niro's character was given a mole for the sake of continuity. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And also, it's kind of bullshit that they de-age Anthony Hopkins and they don't de-age Ed Harris. Because that's mm-hmm. just... If, if it turns out the man in black equals William, that's pure, unexcusable sleight of hand. Sure. Like, just because you can de-age Anthony Hopkins, maybe you shouldn't if you're also going to rely on recasting someone to play the 30-year younger self. Yep. The other possibility is that, you know, the way to do an in-run around this is that William literally dies and is implanted into a host consciousness, which ties right into the Frankenstein and immortality and defeating death. Like, lots of possibilities here besides the the obvious ones. They so, should have just sliced in scenes from the right stuff where <laughs> sure where William is concerned. Yeah, except for, Ed, you know, Ed Harris hasn't aged that much. He's gotten craggier, <laughs> but his hairline hasn't changed. That's true. His, yeah. his uh, piercing blue the abyss? eyes. How about changed. the abyss? The abyss. Yeah. Now we're underwater. About, now about we got years ago, twenty five years ago. Okay. Plus, you're you're right. You got the decompression. Yep. Bada bing, bada boom. Uh, ben T says, "Do you guys pick up this on the slight smirk that Stubb gives when he's revealed that Maeve is being picked up? Could it be that he is one of the hosts that Maeve is trying to recruit? Did you get a smirk on Stubb's face when?" When uh, he gets the call that there's a tack team to go get Maeve, I didn't. No, I didn't either. I wasn't looking for it though. If, but if I was, maybe I would have got it. But one of the cleanest, one of the objections about the Men in Black theory is that uh, you know Stubbs is overseeing both um, both times that Dolores is running off her track. Now, one of the there's a lot of says, well, there's a bunch of creative editing going on that is that that preserves the two timeline bubble. I never thought I never bought that. To me, it's like the cleanest explanation is Stubbs is a host, and now that we know Bernard's a host, and maybe Elsie's going to be a host. Mm-hmm. You know that that kind of makes perfect sense. Um, how you get away with having a senior ops guy not age for thirty years is another question to ask. But right, um, I guess it would be interesting if Stubbs is like leading a robot resistance as a host, and he's secretly working slash you know rooting for Maeve. But I didn't get any of that. Yeah, me either. Actually, rewatched the scene with that in mind and and didn't get it. Uh, Stephen C from Virginia says, "I'm no fashionista, but thank good. Uh, but I think good evidence of Ford's androidism. He buys into the android as a host theory. Mm-hmm. Is how his family is dressed. Is this supposed to be set in the near future? Or if this is supposed to be set in the near future, why is everyone dressed as if they're from the early 20th century? They're not dressed in Western attire or modern postmodern attire, but rather as people are depicted in pre World War II England." The strong sweater game is the biggest indication. I don't believe sweaters were worn in the American West in the 1880s. It struck me as odd when I first watched the episode that they introduced his family, but when I began to think to Ford as a host, it clicked as evidence. I know it seems trivial, but why would Arnold create a robot family that is dressed for neither Westworld or how he'd remember them? My guess is because of Ford's backstory, for some reason, is from this era and his family reflects his perceived reality. Look, man, fashion is cyclical. And the idea that his family, be they in the 1800s or the 2500s, would be dressed in a certain particular way, I think is I a little silly. Disagree because it's not like French court attire from the you know the. But look at Ford himself in the modern fucking day is dressed like his family. 
Those yeah. clothes are available. I, Those clothes I, I, are I, acceptable. I, I agree with you that there's 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 enough wiggle room for just the way fashion works that maybe they had a resurgence of this shit. The other thing is, um, if I just want to spin off a, a theory, is maybe Ford's dad is something of like a luddite. You know that he's like he has a reaction to this technological society by becoming of like a like a like like a almost um uh a, a Mennonite or a, an Amish person and he take he's the guy who his uh, his dad takes him to some cottage where there's no electricity to vacation and mm-hmm. yeah I mean there's and, and that's a something maybe Ford is, is rebelling against you know like well fuck you dad I'm gonna fuck robots and. <laughs> Also dress right. weirdly conservatively because I kind of love and hate those aspects of you. I mean, uh-huh. who knows? Who knows? Yeah, there are a lot of possible explanations for it. And yeah, I guess I'm trying to say that it doesn't say Pre-war much. Pre-war fashion came roaring back in England in the 2020s. Maybe. Just, just wait. Just in the, wait. Or in the 2520s. Who knows it's, when it's, this is happening? Uh, as, soon as, they leave, uh, as soon as they leave the EU, as soon as they Brexit, it's just going to all come roaring back. Yep. They're gonna. Everyone, everyone's gonna be wearing knickerbockers be and a source of national cable pride, sweaters yeah. and sure all that. Uh, anyway, uh, we also have. I, I know last week's spoiler was maybe a bust and maybe incorrect information, but I have someone stitching together some information from the on the weeks ahead trailer that I know a lot of people didn't watch because of spoilers. Uh, so again, we're gonna discuss some evidence for particular theories based on frame-by-frame analysis of that stuff. I know some people consider it a spoiler. If you want to remain spoiler-free, then uh, uh, get out now. Uh, I have verified this information (laughs) visually. I'm not just passing on a fever dream, uh, I think. Uh, Okay. (laughs) But there you go. I think we're getting sufficient sufficient warning. Uh, Frederick H., uh, says a few weeks ago, I recall you saying that the shot framing the man in black's knife stuck into the table during his chat with Ford, and there's a suggestion that we should keep an eye out for that knife later on. Uh, turns out it's the Bowie knife with the little upturns on a cross guard, and in the weeks ahead, we see William in Dolores's timeline unsheathing that knife. Hmm. And once someone posted that on Reddit, I actually noticed that someone pointed out that the shirts that the man in black and William are wearing, not obviously their coats, but the shirt is the same weird gray textured collarless shirt that they're wearing in both timelines. Now, saying that's ironclad evidence is problematic. (laughs) Why? Because this is a theme park, and they are dressing people as they come in. They are giving them their equipment as they come in. Yes. Every single guest in the park might have an identical knife. And they, or, I mean, or they select from a selection right. of 30 or 40. They have the option to choose that knife. They have the option to choose that shirt. Now, I will say that it does feel like that we are stepping further and further into the pl- the realms of implausible when we try to like in aggregate write off all these coincidences right. as that's, random that's why i say the evidence is mounting certainly evidence is certainly mounting yeah. but it's still i mean ever that's the thing people are like this is fucking art no it's, it's not, not it never is until it is right <laughs> like, like until it's revealed on the show you can yeah. always find a way to argue the opposite and it seems like people are getting really angry about this i don't know why there's like a damn near civil war thread on reddit right now that has like 900 responses where it's like I think the title is it's come to this or something like that. Right. And I always think this stuff is silly, but I don't get I don't get offended by people suggesting these things, right? Right. Like I sometimes I roll my eyes and sometimes mm-hmm. like, oh my God, but you know, I mean this is a guy who <laughs> podcasts and spends 
a dozen plus hours actively working and thinking about the show each week. I, uh, yeah, I, it's so weird that people get bent out of shape to the point of being angry uh, and insisting that this is the ironclad proof and that this is the, and it's like, okay. I mean, it's definitely evidence. I only get angry when I'm shown things on screen that I feel are not reasonable uh, in light of newer information. Right. And like we if I feel like I'm being lied to on screen, we definitely have some potential plot and production holes. And I'm ready to forgive some of those because this is such a complicated, mm-hmm. sprawling narrative with multiple timelines and arguing about. I mean, like, it's the degree of difficulty of pulling this off is pretty high. Yeah. So I'll let, like, you know, a CGI Robert Ford slide when you can't say the same thing about Jimmy Simpson. Is this, is this his yeah. name? Mm-hmm. But you know, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, I, I I can I can I can see that. I almost the, the way people are polarized now. I feel like it's almost inevitable. This is like an American election that fifty percent yeah. of the population is going to be unhappy with however Westworld, uh, uh, you know, shakes out. Now whether they move to Canada and start watching BBC and say fuck HBO, I don't know. That remains to be seen, but it does seem like that the, pre- the the conventional wisdom is going to be a mixed reaction because so many people are going to say this t- timelines is bullshit and everyone's a host is bullshit and you know this white stuff is bullshit because it doesn't support whatever pet theory they've chosen to to champion. Uh, but that's I guess part of the fun. Anyway, that's the feedback section we have. It's all over. Uh, Westworld at baldmove.com if you'd like to send in more or get on the theory or get on the forum and uh, argue about it. Pick sides. Kill your fellow man and woman. Yeah. Go to war. Do it all. There's nothing, literally nothing more important than than who is right and who is wrong on Westworld. And uh, no, actually don't. We we kick you off for being an asshole. And we're not Reddit. We actually have um, editorial and moderation policies. And one of them is don't be a dick. So... Uh, take that to Reddit. But if you want to have a friendly conversation, bring it on the forums.baldmove.com. Cool. Well, we'll be back uh, <laughs> next week for episode 109. We just got two left. I'm I know. excited. Uh, and it looks like next week might be a big one. And, and man, the other thing is, like, it's going to be a long wait. Oh, yeah. Buckle in for 18-plus months of waiting yeah. for Westworld to come back. So regardless of what side of the schism you're on, sit back and enjoy the quality filmmaking that we get for the next two weeks because it, it's 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 not going to be uh, more of it for a long time. Yep, but we will see you next week. Thanks everybody for listening. See you then. Bye bye. <laughs>